Hello everybody, welcome to Talk the Walk here on Boss Rush Games, part of the Boss Rush Media and Boss Rush Network. I am your Southern Belle, <laughs> Eddie V. Joining me is the one, the only, the spicy Cajun girl herself, Miss Celeste Roberts. Ed, you sent me with the, <laughs> <laughs> the Southern Belle. <laughs> Oh my god! I was not expecting that, and I—if you're not watching the um, video footage, I <laughs> almost <laughs> fell out of my office chair. <laughs> and also, we have a very special guest. He is never late to gaming. Please welcome Late from Late to Gaming. Hello, Late. Hey Ed. Hey guys. I'm so excited to be on today, and really looking forward to, to talking about this game. Celeste kind of turned me on to it. I think before it was even released and I've been looking forward to it ever since then. So this is very exciting for me. Thanks for giving me this opportunity. Thank you for joining us. So at this time, everybody, uh, we are talking about the game Norco and I'm going to turn it over to Celeste because she's going to be hosting this episode because I have some things to say and I have feelings and I cannot wait to get into this discussion. So Celeste, take it away. Well, so a little behind the curtain, because if people have been listening, I'm sure they were thinking, well, where's Detroit Become Human? Because Eddie had alluded to that being the next game after the Life is Strange series. But life's been very chaotic, and that game is a little bit longer than I have time to dedicate gaming to. So Norco is about five to six hours long. So that was much more manageable. So Ed graciously said, yes, we can do that one in December. And I think he is kind of happy we're doing it too, just with life, the holidays, schedules. But late to gaming here, who also goes by Henry, um, Henry of Two Forks, if you have played Firewatch, you will get that reference. Um, <laughs> we've been friends on Twitter for a while, and we're also big fans of the Retrovaniacs podcast. We interact on their Discord server a lot. He is also part of the Boss Rush Discord server. So late to gaming, you... You don't have a podcast, but you do a lot of other types of media related to video games. Would you like to tell people a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I started, I don't know, five or six years ago with a blog, which I kind of keep up to date sometimes. Um, I've done some streaming on Twitch a little, not as often as I would like to, but occasionally I pop on there and I do a little bit on YouTube. Um, as well, and all of those are late to gaming, of course, if anyone is interested in checking them out. Um, but yeah, I've been... I'm kind of a new gamer as far as modern gaming goes. I, I was gaming as a kid and then took many years away. Uh, picked back up with uh, Xbox One, and I've just gotten into it just head first. I'm, I'm kind of... That's my main hobby at this point, and... Games like Norco is, is probably my favorite type of game to play. So I'm just was very excited when this opportunity came up um, to talk about it. And um, I'm really interested in seeing where this conversation goes. Yes, thank you so much for joining us because you are very thoughtful and we have good discussions, just written out discussions. So this this is a treat for me and I'm sure it's a treat for Ed as well. Yes. So very excited. So if you're new here, we are a walking simulator and um, sometimes a cozy game podcast, book club-like podcast, but mm -hmm. 
not all the games are very cozy. <laughs> some of them can involve some very serious topics. So we have started releasing some trigger warnings at the top of the episode. So if any of these you're maybe a little sensitive to, um, you know, maybe skip this episode or come back to it when you're feeling a little bit more comfortable to hear some of the discussions. So some trigger warnings include death, drugs, drinking, cultism, depression, gun violence, natural disaster trauma, poverty, strained family dynamics, and fence line communities. So I I had never heard the term fence line communities until I played this game. And it's basically a racial disparity whenever a large corporation tries to buy out locals. So that's a hot topic. I was reading on some different examples of this outside of the game. So if you've been affected by this and you're, hey, I'd, I'd love to hear from you, first of all, but you know, just wanted to be sensitive to people's potential triggers. So we'd like to start these with an opening question related to the game. So as you were playing Norco late in Ed, did it remind you of any cities in your area, wherever you live, or anything at all that you've been to, even if you don't live there, something you've passed through? So um, we actually, um, the, the city of Waukegan, Illinois, actually had something. Um, it was called AB Specialty Silicones, and it blew up three years ago um literally yeah it was a a, a manufacturing plant that made silicone and like at 9 30 p.m there was a big explosion um and the building blew up you go to you can actually go to youtube everybody and look at some of the reports um but it's only 15 minutes from my house and i was at work that day when it was um when the explosion went off and i could hear it from like I, from where i was where i work at to where the explosion was it's about 35 minutes away from each other and i was able to hear it and people were just like what the world happened and it showed it showed like i think nine to 12 people were injured some people died in it but it was a real big explosion and everything um the other kind of like factory that is in my area uh literally about like 10 minutes from me is abbott um so anyone who has been doing the COVID test and everything uh in the blue box you will see abbott's name on it uh, my mom used to work there so it was a it's a oh. pharmaceutical place. Um, some some I think some of it name it Abv A B B V I E, but um, yeah, th- those are kind of like the uh the like for like a big company, uh, Abbott there, and then it's uh P and G, which does Gillette, Tide, and and things like that. Um, my brother I think he still works for them. He's been working for them since he got out of college. And so that's a kind of another big factory and everything. So those are kind of like the big ones in my area in, in Illinois. What about you, Lee? So I'm originally from the eastern part of Kentucky, which is heavy coal mining um, area. And when I started playing this, 
I didn't expect to find very many similarities, you know, between Kentucky and Louisiana and between the coal industry and the refining industry. But I was amazed how familiar all of this felt to me. Um, the idea of, you know, the company town that kind of runs everything in an area and then the impacts on the environment and the impacts on really the economy and poverty of the uh, people in the area is it, it could have been describing the area that I grew up. Um, and then the um, explosions and, and that sort of thing. I was thinking, I don't know if there's anyone who grew up in that area who doesn't know someone who was injured in some way in coal mines and probably is no more than one step removed from knowing someone who uh, died in an explosion or cave in. So it's, it's very, very familiar to me. And I, I really playing through it. I felt like I was, even though it was set in a different area, I felt like I was playing through um, kind of my childhood and my, you know, the, the area that I call home. That's incredible. Uh, which so for <laughs> which is which connects to Life is Strange three true colors <laughs> when you when you say the coal mine thing and that that mm-hmm. ending and I was just like oh my goodness the connection from that game to this game <laughs> yeah very mm-hmm. much that's a great comparison Ed um so for listeners who if this is the first time you've listened and you don't know much about me my name is celeste and i live in louisiana i actually live about 45 minutes away from norco which is a real city right outside of new orleans or should i say a census designated area so norco actually stands for new orleans refining company it is part of saint charles parish louisiana which just in case you weren't aware um, louisiana does not call counties counties we call them parishes and in case you were wondering why louisiana was officially roman catholic under both france and spain's rule we've been owned by a few different people Um, The boundaries dividing the territories generally coincided with church parishes, and in 1807, the territorial legislature officially adopted the ecclesiastical term. So um, whenever I'm talking to people out of state, I have to, sometimes I'll switch it to county, (laughs) just (laughs) so they know what I'm talking about. But so this game was created or developed by Geography of Robots, and let me see. According to Geography of Robots Twitter, Norco takes place in an alternative winter of 2017-2018, so it's near past rather than near future, which kind of surprised me. I thought this was way in the future. What did y'all think? That's what I did, too. Um, And this is the reason why I thought it was way in the future. Um, There is a game called Snatcher. Um, and Hideo Kojima made this game kind of back in the 80s, the 90s. And when it originally came out, it was only two acts until the second the second CD version came out. And it kind of, the way that this game feels and looks, because it, it looks like it's um, kind of like in the future. Like, it's like very mm-hmm. sci-fi. And everything and Snatcher is like um, it, it. Anyone who has seen Blade Runner, um, that influenced Snatcher uh, and everything. So when you're playing Narco, you're watching it and you're hearing this music. It has this sci-fi, futuristic 
kind of feel to it. It definitely in this gameplay also. So when I'm looking at it and hearing it, I'm just like, this gotta be like in like way in the future. Then when just hearing it, I'm just like, wait a minute, it's only in that that year. I'm like, <laughs> what? It feels it feels like like it feels like that time frame and what is in the game does not connect at all. Because at the time of this recording, it is 2022. It is December 19th, 2022. Yes. So what about you, Late? Were you surprised to, to hear that, what I just read? <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. I I didn't necessarily feel like it was far into the future, but I definitely felt like it was at least somewhat futuristic. You know, at least a decade or something into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Ed. It has that feel of some of those typical... Um, futuristic sci-fi movies that we're probably all used to. And then some of the technology obviously doesn't exist today. So I was very surprised to learn that it was um, set when it is. I, I assume is that time frame when the game was first started? Is that the reason? Um, I believe they've been working on it for uh, several years, at least, at least five years okay. they've been working on this game. So that may have been the present setting when the game started. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. And I apologize, um, Yutz or Utes. I'm not sure how you pronounce your name. He is the mastermind behind a lot of the writing and the stories. He actually is from Norco, might even still live there. I'm not sure, but he um, developed the game and um, he actually runs the Geography of Robots Twitter so Geography of Robots developed this game, and it was published by Raw Fury. It actually came out just earlier this year, and we like to put what systems games are available on, and I forgot to do that. <laughs> uh, I, I got you, uh, Celeste. So, Thank you, um, The platforms is on Mac OS, Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 4 and 5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. Um, the Microsoft and Mac OS uh, Windows version came out March 24th, 2022. And the console versions came out November 17th, 2022. Um, and mm-hmm. as everybody can see, this is an adventure game, like point and click, and it's sing- it is single player. It's a possibility that we may see this game on Nintendo Switch next year, but it is not guaranteed yet. Mostly, these some of these games that come out on the other platforms will later come out on Switch. Uh, so, um, if you have not played this game, uh, and you're waiting for the Switch version, there's a possibility it may come out because Raw Fury does make games for Nintendo Switch. Um, so we may uh, literally see it on that console next year. Thank you, Ed. You came in clutch. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so I played this on Xbox Game Pass. What did y'all play it on? I bought the game on Series X. Okay. I played it on PC uh, via Game Pass. Great. Um, I thought it ran very smoothly. I was very pleased with my Game Pass experience. Um, Did y'all have any issues? Because I know the Geography of Robots Twitter, they are actually sharing updates on patches that they are making, especially, I think, for the PS4, PS5 version. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have any issues, but um, because you're using the cursor with your controller, uh, 
sometimes it gets in the way and mm. there's no uh, there's no dedicated button to keep the game you know the dialogue where you could keep it going and everything um normally there is a point in the game that if you happen to have the cursor to the reading um it starts doing that recorder in your phone and everything and you're just like mm. oh, i didn't mean to record that mm-hmm. and everything. so i did that um, yeah, and sometimes if you even if you're off and you're trying to hit the button, it doesn't respond. So sometimes the text doesn't go down next. But that's the only problem that I had with it. Everything else ran smoothly and stuff. Yeah, I thought it ran very well on PC. Um, I had a feeling it would be a better keyboard and mouse game, which was the reason I chose to play it there. Mm-hmm. Typically, I would have probably played it on the Xbox as well, but I think it uh, it fit playing on PC was a I think was probably a good choice for me. Oh, may I may I add uh, on some mm-hmm. of the battle sequence? Uh, there is a point where um, there would be like three dots, like zoomed in into the character, and it's all like uh, you know you gotta hit it in the sequence uh, when those dot, when those dots lands and stuff uh, because you gotta hit them with your cursor on the Xbox and stuff it doesn't always respond well. So you may hit one or two and try to get to it and then it destroy it. Like you may feel that state and lose energy. So I think what they should have done for the console version is that I feel like they should have did button sequence. So like a X, a Y come out and you just hit those three buttons. And if you can hit them in the right timing and everything, you the you affect the enemy in that they should have did that, but they made it still because it's point and click. They didn't put that um into the game, so that that became came that becomes a big problem at times. Yeah, like I was moving my um little joystick on the Xbox controller to you know like it's a point and click game. You're moving the mm-hmm. little cursor a little pointer and then clicking and stuff so this is a very text heavy game you there is a little bit of action so to speak but i believe that you can actually put the action in the battle sequences on autopilot i was reading i didn't do that like i actually engaged but we'll we'll get to that in a little bit unless you you have something very pressing to say ed about no, that no <laughs> I, I didn't i literally did not know that um and i didn't that, either and, and and because of the battle part and yeah we're gonna say that's later that's why that idea snatcher came because snatcher has some battle sequence in the game too and this game was influenced by snatcher actually so um to help us prepare mm-hmm. We did, you know, look up the Norco official website. We looked up TV tropes. We looked up the Wikipedia. I just, there is a wealth of resources, especially if you go to Norco's official site. If there's anything you want to know about this game, um, any, like the bibliography even, absolutely check out their website. It is a treasure trove of information about this game. So the synopsis directly from the website Norco is a southern gothic point-and-click narrative adventure that immerses the player in the sinking suburbs and verdant industrial swamps of the distorted South Louisiana. Your brother Blake has gone missing in the aftermath of your mother's death. In hopes of finding him, you must follow a fugitive security cyborg through the refineries, strip malls, and drainage ditches of suburban New Orleans. So I, I thought it might be helpful to define what southern gothic is because... I was an English major, so we studied some different literature, and a, a lot of people listening and, and late and Ed, you probably read some of the literature in, in school at some point. 
Um, Southern Gothic is an artistic subgenre of fiction, country music, film, and television, and they're all heavily influenced by Gothic elements and the American South. Common themes include storytelling of deeply flawed, disturbing, or eccentric characters who may be involved in hoodoo, decayed or derelict settings, grotesque situations, and other sinister events relating to or stemming from poverty, alienation, crime, or violence. I think all of those things are in this game. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I find that description perfect for Norco. And, oh, this, this stuck out to me because um, I was looking for examples of Gothic literature. And the short story, A Rose for Emily by William Faulkner. Have y'all ever read that? I heard of it. I have not read it yet. No, I haven't read it. I, I highly recommend. It's very short. It's, it's a little disturbing, but there are some disturbing things in this game that reminded me of A Rose for Emily. And I would love to know your opinion after you read that. So I don't know if you are aware of this, but Norco in Louisiana is also referred to as Cancer Alley. So because Norco is a refinery town and there are a lot of residents who live right there, a lot of people have become sick due to the pollution and the environmental damage. And it's part of a strip in Louisiana known as Cancer Alley. And there are people, activists, fighting for recognition and for some retribution because they're sick, they're dying, they're hurt. And oh my goodness, this, as I was playing this game, I could feel the disparity and the weariness of the people. Because even though I live about 45 minutes away, I I passed through Norco my entire life on my way to Mm -hmm. New Orleans. And um, Louisiana is very heavy in the oil and gas industry. My dad used to work on a production platform in the Gulf of Mexico. He would drive to Venice, Louisiana, and he'd get on a helicopter. He'd go to a platform there for two weeks come back home for two weeks and so on and so on until he retired last year. And I remember he told me, yeah, I'm basically on a a bomb is what he described it as like this thing could blow up. And that was very sobering. So as you were describing the coal mine industry late, um, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. And I think your use of the term weariness is, is really, really good to describe the situation because I was thinking after playing this, it, it's easy to see the situation that the the you know the poor people in the area are in. But what I think is often overlooked is the impact that living in an area like that has on people who may even be a little better off financially. Um, but when you're surrounded by by basically a sense of despair in a lot of ways. It, it kind of eats at you and it it has a real impact on on you I think just psychologically and so I think even even people who are fortunate enough to not be living in poverty in those areas are still very much affected by the the despair and, and the weariness that you mentioned and I think it's I think there are a few people that live in areas like that who really find a way to escape it without being affected in some way Mm-hmm. that's beautifully stated and that's a really good segue to the start of the game so when you pull up the game you it's it's text heavy again and you do see some animations and it's kind of um like a pixelated art style it's very beautiful the, the part that sticks out to me from the beginning the most is you see this refinery in louisiana and it, this train passing and there are these eyes in the sky and i'm assuming they are the main character k's eyes so k is 
this young woman, she is from Norco, Louisiana originally, and she left about five years prior to the game's current events. She was, I guess she was just kind of like, oh, I want to leave my hometown. I want to find myself. I want to go on adventure. So she went out West. And during this sequence, you can decide where she went. You can decide her feelings on different things. Again, she has a brother named Blake. He's about two years younger than she is. And I don't, I don't remember these choices being too consequential to the game. Um, mine, like they don't affect the ending or endings, I should say. We'll save that for later. But her mom has been trying to get in touch with her. She learns that her mom has passed away from cancer, so she is returning back to Norco. And you know, actually, after the, this beautiful opening sequence, again, it's very text heavy. You go back to her house and. The house, it was, you know, it stuck out to me immediately, the Mary statue. <laughs> yes. In the front yard, because um, not everybody has them, but you, you are more than likely, especially with older generations, going to see a Mary statue, possibly a St. Joseph statue, a Jesus statue, an angel statue. It is a very Catholic area down here. What? It, so, Leighton, Ed, tell me your reactions to just this introduction, um, maybe um, Catherine Kay's Blake's house. So I know for me, I made it, I made the, the choices I was making was like, I kind of felt like I disowned my mom, like, you know, that she wasn't um, part of my life and, and everything. You know, I, I kind of just like, I'm only back here to, you know, kind of bury her, bury her and, you know, say my wishes and stuff before the story kicks in and everything i was just like i, I want to play where they don't have a good relationship or anything that i'm kind mm -hmm. of this this rebel this vagabond in a sense and so I, I that was some of the choices that i was making and it was weird for a person to have cancer how neat the house was you know, you go into the the living room and the, there's laundry on the table and that's folded up. It's clean on the ground. You know, you got the TV and everything. And then you get out. And when I clicked on the Mary thing, because you can move the cursor around and click on different stuff to move around. When I clicked on it and I was able to go in, I was just like, oh, this is going to play a part later on in the game. You know, it's one of those, um, I kind of want to say, like, Alfred Hitchcock kind of thing, because I've been watching some uh, movie reviews about his movies. There's times where they'll zoom in on a certain item that's the murder weapon or that's very important to the story and, and how things are going to proceed. And so when I was able to zoom in to the Mary statue, I'm like, oh, this is really going to play a part. Um, and it does, but we'll get to that later. So I, I that's the kind of person that I was playing. But as I played, got more into the story, my choices started changing because I wanted to know more about these characters that I'm interacting and everything. So, how about you, Late? So Ed mentioned the laundry in the living room, and that is the one thing that has stuck with me from that opening sequence more than anything. Really? And, yeah, and I think this game does a good job of storytelling in a way that lets each person kind of find meaning in things 
uh, without just spelling it out and without really just, you know, being real obvious about it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that the, the laundry in the living room, there were two things. The first was it really showed me that how sudden Catherine took a turn for the worse. Because like Ed said, the house was clean. She had clearly been just going about her daily life. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, things took a turn for the worse when she got put in a hospice. And then the other thing is thinking about Blake, who's been presumably living there since she went into the hospice and passed away, and now Kay uh, being in the house, and what it must be like to walk past that every day and have that reminder, that very real reminder of the fact that she's not there and she's not going to be able to put it away herself. But at the same time, I feel like in some of those situations, you may not want to put it away yourself because that's kind of closing a chapter. And so I can see that kind of struggle that you might have over something so mundane, but it having just a really kind of heavy emotional meaning to the people who are are living there and dealing with it every day. Oh gosh, that's, that's very heartfelt. Like it's kind of like, not that Catherine was a child, but I've heard of some people after, if they lose a child, some people immediately change their room to a guest room or an office or something mm-hmm. else. That's their coping mechanism. And other people, they can't bring themselves to even go in there or they like to sit in that room as it is. Yeah. And so often in media and fiction, we see it's things like that that tend to kind of create problems between, you know, couples or, you know, parents when different people deal with the grief differently. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a case where if Blake wanted to leave it there, if Kay had moved in and she didn't want to see it because that was affecting her dealing with her grief, you know, it's a minor thing that could really cause some, some problems between people who just have very different ways of dealing with grief. We don't know that that would be the case here, but just your mention of the, the children and the parents made me think about that and how common that seems to be. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great tie in to Kay and Blake's relationship though, because there are a lot of hints that he's kind of resentful that Kay quote unquote abandoned them. He, there's some really kind of funny, but also kind of um, possibly hurtful dialogue about Kay remembers their grandmother said he, that boy doesn't pay attention to anything. Cause I, I, I they don't come out and say it, but um, Blake seems to have some kind of ADD or um, ADHD, some kind of attention deficit issues and he doesn't even realize that the grandma was talking about him because Kay says are you upset with what grandma said about you insulting you like that he's like oh she she was talking about me in their childhood so and I I'm from a small town and um I I've lived here my whole life but I I did live overseas in um, in Japan I, I taught English over there and I like to travel and there are a lot of supportive people in my area but there are like with any kind of small town, there are some people who see it as, oh, you think you're better than us. You're moving on. You're, uh, you have the means to do this. It just depends on the the person. Blake was weird though. Weird in effect of the way that he was written and what kind of characteristic he was supposed to be. Because even if he had these problems as a young kid and whatever relationship him and Kay had, it really felt like he was into bad stuff. Like he was a drug runner or he was on drugs or he was a thief or he was a criminal. It, it The tone just really felt different from 
him, you know, having these mental problems to what everybody else says about him. And, you know, it really felt like after K left, he got into a lot of bad stuff, which probably was dealing with gangs, dealing with drugs and stuff. And that it's kind of weird to see like well if a person who is slow or have adhd and stuff they wouldn't necessarily get into drugs and gangs and stuff like that it that that feels very separate and different so the writing is kind of weird about that as as like but as the game progresses you don't think in your mind about Blake until you really start feeling because that when you start not seeing him throughout the game and everybody's just like, yeah, he was here, but I don't see him or anything. He, I thought he fell asleep behind a tavern. No, he's never come around the tavern and stuff. You start getting really worried about Blake to be like, where is he at? And does this, does his location play a part in this game? Because I'm like, if Blake becomes an afterthought, my my go-to solution is he's dead somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it, it kind of just felt weird on how he was how 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 he was placed and described in this game. Yeah, he he kind of became an afterthought to me. <laughs> I hate to say it. Just like you, you arrive, you're in your room, you're, you're reading different things. You can explore Kay's room. You can even play a game with her stuffed monkey and take it with you on your travels. And Blake, well, your mom's passed away. You're trying to find Blake. He's not at the house. This was really cool. As you talk to different characters or you read different things, something called a mind map opens and Mm -hmm. it's described as a database of non-playable characters or NPCs you're going to encounter throughout the game. It is beautifully portrayed. It'll say things like Catherine was dot, dot, dot. And as you learn things about your mom, you can go back and check the mind map and it'll glow whenever you have new information and you can read it as many times as you want. Catherine was doing this. Catherine was involved with this, just as an example. Um, I love the mind map. I That is incredible. So surprisingly, the mind map plays a big part in this game because you have to use it in order to find duck and i was just like i i I, i'm like okay i'm learning these characters i've seen their connections and relationship oh this is how i found duck and then i just started clicking on it i'm just like this connection opens this connection so it's like a game within a game for this game in the sense mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. it's just like you you read the text and get the clues and they add it to the mini map or uh, the mind map you go into the mind map find different stuff that opens up more detail about the story and locations and then you use that those clues and information to find out when you get ready to uh uh travel to the next destination it's right there because you went into the mind map in order to find it yeah yeah do you have anything to say about this late so yeah i was just thinking a lot of games have something like that where it'll be you know a glossary of terms or the characters with brief descriptions and you know sometimes i don't even do a good job of reading through that stuff but in this case i found myself kind of almost excited every time that i would see there was something new i wanted to go and see and and read it because Mm -hmm it really is interesting and it really helps draw you into 
this world and, and these characters. And I thought that it was very well done. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And this game, if, if you like to explore, well, you better like to explore if you're going to play this game, because that's how you unlock all these different mind map entries, in fact. And you can, um, if you're big on achievements, this game is very heavy on achievements. I did not get them all, but if you look up walkthroughs, if that's a, a big thing for you, you can look them up. So mm-hmm. you can explore the front yard and they do, there is a lot of dialogue or I guess some writing, I should say, about how the house has flooded like three times due to um, hurricanes. Um, I think there was also an incident where something with just simply the infrastructure, the pipes burst or something, the, the sewage and water board had some issues in your area. So the house is flooded like three times and that broke my heart. Um, I've never dealt with flooding from a storm or, or anything like that. My area fortunately does not flood, but certain areas in Louisiana are very prone to flooding and they're surrounded by levees, which are meant to protect those areas. And actually, if you remember Hurricane Katrina in 2005, which affected New Orleans so much and Norco, the levees broke and that's in New Orleans is below sea level. It's kind of like a bowl. So Mm -hmm. water went into it. So hopefully um, the infrastructure has been improved greatly but uh gosh we could have a whole episode on the army corps of engineers and their failures and all oh my gosh well <laughs> i will jump in right quick and say yeah. so so two of those floods if i remember correctly were from pump failures and mm-hmm. one of them i remember her describing happening is after a heavy rain so it didn't okay. sound like there was in that case even a hurricane it sounded okay. like something i won't say mundane but you know a regular thing that happens but the pump failed and then there was another character later. Um, I think it's optional to go to this location, but he talks about his car getting flooded from a pump failure. So it sounds like yes. that is a yes. you know happening fairly often there over a span of it sounds like ten or fifteen years, and it really yeah. makes me wonder, you know, are the people in the more well-off areas dealing with these pump failures and dealing with their houses being flooded with this you know regularity? Or is this just one more of those cases where the poor are kind of stuck in these, you know, um, areas on the edge and they're kind of ignored and kind of, you know, they, they're kind of second class citizens and the infrastructure that they are living with is subpar compared to what everyone else is, is dealing with. Thank you for, thank you so much for that, because I, I don't live in New Orleans, but I, I follow the news that's broadcast out of there and the sewage and water board gets into a lot of trouble. Whenever there's a heavy rain, even places in the French Quarter will flood just due to insufficient infrastructure. And there's actually, um, excuse my language, there is a an account on Instagram that I follow called Look at This Fucking Street. And they actually interviewed the creator of this account. And he takes pictures of potholes and people will send him pictures of potholes and really damaged streets. And it's kind of a way to, yeah, we're going to make fun, but we're also trying to draw awareness to the powers that be like, come take care of this. People are paying out of the ass and taxes to, to help support this infrastructure. So yeah, like just, I was thinking of all that kind of stuff <laughs> while playing this game, which I guess in a way I have, I think anyone, no matter where you live, you can enjoy this game, obviously, but having that oh, I know what they're talking about. I get that little jab at that particular entity that it it enriches it a little bit more. But if you go to your backyard, we meet a character named Million. 
and million or millions. I'm trying to remember if there's an S at the end of her a name. million. It's million. million. Yeah. So mil- that's where I was like, this This is when I thought it had to be set in the future. She is basically a fugitive cyborg, and the oil company or the refinery in Norco is called the Shield Company, which is a play on Shell, which is slash was in the area. So, you know, Shell Oil, very, very well-known company. And Million is basically, if you've ever watched the Brady Bunch, she kind of reminds me of the Alice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Of the family, she's like the maid. She helps out with chores. I think she took care of the kids growing up. And she was there with to take care of Catherine as she was very sick. She's um, very intelligent. Her, her face is very unique. And if as you play the game, it kind of reminds me of this. It Not only does it remind me of Constellations, but I will say if I, I have driven past Norco or through Norco at night, and as a child... I thought the refineries were beautiful because at night, like if you're over a bridge, if you're over the Mississippi River and you see them in the distance, they look like these beautiful lit up cities. I remember asking my parents, oh, what city is that? Can we go over there? And they're like, no, that's that's an oil refinery. That's uh, not a place you want to go and just visit right. on your own. But Million's face reminds me of the, the glow of those refineries at night a little bit. And she can actually repair your truck. You have to gather some different items to help, or sorry, the motorcycle. And she's trying to help you find Blake. And this is where you can actually start to travel around your surroundings. So the next place you can go to is called Dimes Discount, which, oh my goodness. The the character you meet who used to work there, I guess he... I don't know if I can't remember if he was on drugs, if he was um, an alcoholic, but his name is Troy and he's wearing I, I'm not sure if this is the PC term, but he's wearing um, a wife beater, you know, basically mm. a white, a white tank top or an undershirt. And he went to high school with Kay. He's very aggressive. You can even fight him. Oh, I fought him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I fought him too. <laughs> what did you did you fight him late? No, I didn't. I don't. I don't specifically remember what the choices were, but I, I did not fight him. Yeah, and, and the fight system, it's kind of like a Simon Says where these little, they kind of look like little floppy disks. These little images will appear on the screen. You have they will, sh- they will shine or glimmer in a certain order, and you have to click them in that order for an action to happen. And your monkey can even fight with you. It's, it's very fantastical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I but, really like that. <laughs> so yeah, you use the monkey in order to do part of your fighting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when you kind of follow a pattern of these like card things. And once you do it, um, it takes damage off. And then you can also mm-hmm. use Million, who will help you fight enemies too. Um, or I won't, I won't say enemies. I, I say opponents in this game. Yeah. And then, so if you, that is an achievement, by the way, late, that if you choose to fight Troy, <laughs> it's called a class traitor achievement. Yeah. Because you, you get sassy with him and you had the, <laughs> you had the choice to be like, no, I'm not going to fight him. Uh, or I'm going to agree with them and then I'm go, or I could fight him. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to fight him. So while we're at the Dimes discount, do you want to talk a little about the director? Because I just kind of 
did my best to get a, out of that as quickly as possible without any sort of uh, real altercation. But it sounds like there's a lot of uh, opportunity there that I missed out on. Yeah. So right outside of Dimes Discount, which is basically a convenience store in a, like in front of a gas station or behind a gas station, there are these people who are filming a movie. And Louisiana is a very popular destination for movies, especially, you know, like, I guess, Civil War era movies because we have a lot of plantations and we have sugarcane fields and you can do a lot of storytelling here. But I, the director is very antagonistic. He, he's like, you're in my way. What does it look like we're doing? But then he's like, wait a minute, are you from here? And I think you can lie, but I, I kind of went along with it. And he's asking you, what would you call this? And how would you say this? So he's basically trying to see if there are any Louisiana specific phrases, but a lot of the options, just in case you're not sure, we, we do talk like other people in America. <laughs> we use uh, terms like asshole. And he, you can choose to give him the kind of like sarcastic answer of, um, I would just say asshole. And he dismisses you. He doesn't want anything to do with you. Or I played along with him and I gave him the more highfalutin type of language just to mess with him like oh he's like yeah this is what a local says and he he's directing the actor to use that language what did you guys do can i tell you i don't remember this part at all i don't even think i encountered this yeah i i I think (laughs) i missed this whole session i don't remember the director or anything because i remember after after getting the uh at going to the gas station and getting uh the I, the first item that I need, I just headed back to, I think I headed back to the house so I could go and, and start the bike ride and stuff and start traveling and everything. I miss all of that. Oh man, you can give him some very outlandish responses, and I'm, I can't, I can't do a true Cajun accent. Like if you watched Waterboy or you remember Coach Orgeron for LSU prior to this football season. I can't do that thick accent. I have tried. In fact, my boyfriend teases me and is like, you sound like a Yankee trying to do a Cajun accent. (laughs) (laughs) I try to do one. But I mean, we do, because of the French influence, they're like my great grandparents grew up speaking French as their first language, but then it was actually beaten out of them in school. There was a time period where they were trying to anglicize the United States. And if you were caught speaking French, you'd get a a rattle, a tap with a ruler on your your hands. And so I missed out on being in a bilingual household because of that. But we do still have some phrases we use. Um, honestly, not even every day. I mean, sometimes like couillon is something you would say to describe a foolish person, but we don't talk like Justin Wilson. You remember him, the, the Cajun chef? We don't really talk like these people every single day. Like, I, I don't know. It's I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I, I messed with the director late. You wanted to get away from him. Yeah. But now that you've described it, I kind of want to go back and replay it and see what some of these options are. Mm -hmm. Some of them I've never heard of. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I I was like, what is this? I want to go back and just encounter this whole thing. Like if you if you watch the Golden Girls, like some of these exaggerated Southernisms that Blanche Devereaux will say, well, I'm like nobody talks like that. <laughs> so just, he said something like, "Oh, I'm an alligator in heat," or I don't I don't know whatever the heck he said. I'm like no, we just we just call that person an asshole. We don't have a special term. 
<laughs> we're not that poetic. We're just everyday people. Um, I do wish in this game, um, whenever you see something very cute, it's very common to say, oh, sha, which is C-H-E-R, like share, which means deer, but it's pronounced sha. So Eddie, if you showed me a cute puppy, I would be like, oh, sha, that's so cute. <laughs> it has it's like a, very deer. It, it has a French accent to it. Feel <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does because it, it's French for deer. Yeah, that's that's correct. Yep. So um so the, the okay, can we talk about Dimes Discount? Because it made me sad. It made me very sad because Troy, even though he's kind of a jerk, he has lost his job to machines. You if you go to Walmart or any other store, even Target, there are a lot of self-checkout machines, which you know, if I have one or two items, I don't mind. But every now and then I do like to interact with a human being. So this this store has no use for humans, it looks like, except to man the machines if they break. And Troy has lost his way to support himself. And you can actually interact with this machine. I think you can ask it some very hard-hitting questions, and it gives you a pre-programmed response. But, yeah, what did y'all think? Now, this is ludicrous. I'm like, <laughs> you are just a complete alcoholic. You mean to tell me? That you are a person who's supposed to be in retail and machines has taken your job. I mean, the machines are not stocking the stuff in the stores. So you have, uh, I'm like, it's a convenience store. It's a gas station. You just put this stuff up. The only thing, on the thing about this, the only machine that is in there is, is when you're doing a checkout. There's nothing else in there that's machine-wise. And if the machine breaks and you can't check out, then someone's got to be there to fix it. So I, I just really, I was just, I, I just found that so not cynical and everything because it's just like you are just, you're blaming something for your, I won't say incompetence, but for your lack of, you know, of trying. You know, you you're blaming you're blaming something that isn't anyone else's fault. You know what probably happened is you probably became an alcoholic. You probably lost your job before they even um, put in the machines because they probably offered you a different position, and you still gonna get your same pay, but just a different different position, and you didn't want that because it removes you from your comfortable state. And everything. So I I just really I just found that like non cynical. Just like you can't blame the machine. And then when you play throughout throughout the whole game, there isn't that many machines. There are still humans around doing stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there, there's a part in the second act that um that you would think that okay, where why are you know automatic cars where's the flying and stuff you know and and everything and it's just it just really feels weird that if he wants to blame the machines you would think that this place would still be very technological in it and throughout when you realize and play throughout the game it's not very technological in events in investment you just have self-checkout that's all you have I think it's kind of just this, I think it's showing the gradual takeover of the machines a little bit rather than full-fledged the machines are controlling everything. What What did you think, Lee, about that sentiment? Because that's a good point, Ed. 
yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting contrast because when I first saw Dimes Discount, with it looked kind of run down. You have the refinery in the background. The first time I know that you visit, the sky to me looked kind of an unnatural color, which I assume is from air pollution. I, I may be reading too much into that, but I kind of had this picture in my head of this 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 run down little convenience store, and so. Troy was the perfect person to be there because that's the type of person I expect to encounter at somewhere like that. But mm-hmm. then you find out, yeah, that it's being effectively, I guess, ran by just this automated system, which seemed totally out of place. Um, it's almost like they didn't bother to update anything else in that higher place. They just stuck a robot at the counter and, and kind of called it good. And I just thought that contrast was interesting. Yeah, kind of like, oh, this this will do for now. Let's te- or maybe like we're testing it out or something. Yeah, maybe. I I don't know what it's like around there, but my experience from where I grew up is that that bot probably wouldn't have survived very long there before it started getting vandalized and and <laughs> Troy had to come back to the counter anyway. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, that oh man, that oh that would have been cool to see that happen. Somebody just busts that machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I would have loved to have seen that happen in the game. But no, it's just this cold calculating machine. So you have to get a fuse and pay for it to fix the motorcycle or the truck. Something. Something back You, you get the motorcycle. You, you use the, the motorcycle. fuse to, to do the Yeah. Thank you, because there are two vehicles in that backyard, a motorcycle and a truck. So then mm-hmm. you head to a place that, oh my gosh, Sarpy Paperbacks. It is in this little, and I've seen places like this um, in certain parts of like New Orleans and outside of New Orleans, even in my area. It's like you'll have a, uh, I think they have like a loan place, like a, a payday loan. Yeah. And you have Sarpy Paperbacks and there are these people just hanging out. There's a dog with them. There's this guy who's saying he's trying to um, do something essentially similar to Uber and drive people around. It's just, again, that's where the weirdness comes in. People are just hanging out and just trying to make do with, and I guess they just got off work or they're out of school and just hanging out in this little kind of rundown part of town. And again, you're still looking for Blake. Oh, you want to say something, Ed? No, once again, this is an important area because it plays a part later on in the game. Yes, very much so. So at Sarpy Paperbacks, you talk to Erica, who runs the store, and you're asking her, like, have you seen Blake? And she thinks, like, oh, I think he's been to the bar lately, but um, haven't really seen him too much. And you can look around, and you can read some different book titles. Um, There's a little cat named Crouton, and you can see (laughs) Crouton in a few different areas of the game, actually, besides Sarpy paperbacks. I tried my darndest to beat this mini game challenge, and I would always fail on the like on the fifth um, challenge. If you pet Crouton correctly, which is playing that Simon Says game again, he or she will launch into outer space because... (laughs) Yeah, there it's so stimulated from your petting. Um, I'd failed. Did y'all manage to launch Crouton into outer space? I did. That scene is great. I actually, (laughs) I recorded myself playing through this game so I could 
go back and take notes and things. Mm-hmm. And I intend to get a clip of that and share it on social media because it's just, it's really good. Like, I guess you saw the farther you go, it, it starts vibrating and its head is just getting faster and faster in the vibrations. <laughs> the heart and, eyes, like little yeah. heart yeah. eyes. And yeah, when you beat the final one, it just, it just rockets straight up and through the, through the ceiling. And Erica <laughs> is not happy at all. Oh, I got the, I got the two because I, you know, I had to progress in the story, so I didn't get to that. I didn't know that he would rock it off or anything. It, and it was kind of cool seeing the counter of you being successful petting him or petting the cat. I did something else to scare the cat, but we'll get to that later. I had another person in, or animal in my party who affected the cat greatly. <laughs> oh wow! Which is a, which is one thing about this that cats are big in this game and there's only like one dog which is once again an important part to this game and it was kind of weird you would think that with all the cats that you see around in the game that they would be uh, important part uh, as of being used to what this game not used be of use of to this game and they're not they're just there being cats they're so cute um so after you leave sarpy books we actually get to play as Catherine. we have a flashback to when she's sick and she you don't really know what's going on at first you are learning that she's trying to decide which memories of hers to keep or delete so um i kept all of her memories what did y'all do i got rid of two of them I kept all of them. I think at first I didn't really get what was happening. And then I guess I was kind of committed to keeping them all. So I just kept with that. So what happens, Ed, if you delete some of them? N- not much. It, it just feels like um, the one, the stuff that isn't important to you, if you get rid of them, most of everything you just, you just keep and stuff. Because they don't play in no part of of the game or anything um like even when you get to the third kind of to the third act and some things happen it it doesn't play a part part in it so it's just like you get to choose what is important to you or what isn't so you do have the option of getting rid of all of her memories and everything like you see whatever you see where the trash can is at you get rid of it if you want it Mm, okay because apparently there is um, an achievement called forget it if you delete all of her memories. Mm. But I, I I, didn't really know what was going on either late to gaming. But I was like, oh, I'm just going to keep them all, just whatever. So you find out she's at this place called the Greater New Orleans Versioning Center. And she's trying to preserve her memories for Kay and Blake. So if you've played Soma, which we did cover, that's the vibe I got from this where... You're trying to copy your memories and put them into some kind of software that people can access to make it a little bit easier on them after you've passed away. Is is that what y'all thought about it, or am I completely off base? No, I I I didn't understand why. I thought all everything that you was connecting and everything was kind of just something that was going to play a part into the game. You know, I, I kind of felt like this is, 
I guess, like detective work in a sense, because it, it mm-hmm. kind of felt like you was connecting the dots for something, um, and it was going to reveal something in the end. And then when you realize that, no, it's not, you know, because it was a brain kind of transfer uh, or something, you were just like, oh, this doesn't play a part. Uh, this doesn't pay off or anything, but it's cool that this happened. That you know that it did it. It's like I said once again, very sci-fi uh, of it. And I think this is where the the story really starts taking place, or really start not say taking place, really starts shaping because it's now you're playing as a det- you get into this detective, not so much nor. Um, kind of uh vibe to it, but you kind of start really getting into the adventure game aspect of the point of connection, mm-hmm. and so you started getting more of the story about what's going on, and then uh compared to what's happening in the present. Hmm. What about you, Lee? So I didn't really think of Soma at the time, but I think that's a pretty good comparison. I think that um. It's not obvious to me if you're actually replicating your entire consciousness in the same way that happened in that game, or if it's more of of just kind of imprinting your memories on some sort of AI that can, like you said, kind of help your family, um, you know, once you're gone, just to have still part of you to kind of talk with. It reminded me a lot of, I wish I'd looked this up, but there was an episode of that show black mirror that dealt with someone um doing something very similar where there was an ai that they could call i think and it was their lost loved one's voice and they kind of it it pretended to be them and they were able to to kind of carry on a a little bit of a relationship with them after the loved one had passed on to help ease that transition um and, and that's that's more of what i kind of had in mind when i was was thinking about the way that it seemed that the um the uh, versioning was working i wonder i need to watch black mirror first of all very much so (laughs) i haven't watched it yet i really want to watch it um i wonder if it's kind of like those holograms that people are using now for like tupac yeah and performers maybe that's kind of what it is i don't know maybe i could i get i don't know it's it's kind of like transferring your consciousness so if you're thinking of Ghost in the Shell, um, okay. the anime or the manga or the movie, um, where it's kind of like your brain and its thoughts, uh, even though the brain and stuff is is kind of in a shell, in a cybernetic shell, you're kind of transferring your thoughts and your consciousness uh, to a database in a sense. So if anything needs to happen or you need to find something, you can re-upload it and everything. Yeah, it, it mm-hmm. kind of feels like, um, it kind of feels like there that there is a human that's there, but in reality, it's just really data, in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. And so you're just uploading. It, it just it's turning your thoughts to make your uh, imaginary thoughts or whatever into a physical thing, in a sense. Hmm. It was, it it plays a huge part in the game though. Just mm-hmm. the versioning. Oh, it's uh, it's pretty significant in the game. So we also learn um this this hit 
a lot. Um, I haven't dealt with this and I hope I never do, but I know so many people do. Catherine is struggling with medical debt because she's been getting all these treatments for her cancer. And you can actually pull up her phone and read some different things. She's trying to make some money to leave to her children because uh, I'm assuming they will not inherit her medical debt. Um, I don't think that's legal. That's not for them to deal with. But she's working through something called the Quack Job app. (laughs) There's this little duck on her phone and she's doing these different odd jobs and it's telling her where to go and she has to take a little rideshare type of app and it'll actually show you different parts of New Orleans, real places. And you can go from the Greater New Orleans Clinic to the Overpass and Perdido Street and the French Quarter. So I don't know if... (laughs) When you're right outside of the clinic, I, I think it's the overpass when you see the cars driving back and forth. There's this giant billboard of an injury attorney. Yeah. I don't know how big they are in your areas, but I had to pause the game because I was laughing so hard. Because that one was a riff on one named Morris Bart. One call, that's all. That's his that is his tagline. You see so many of those billboards around here. I've seen his commercials. There a few years ago a kid loved a New Orleans kid, I think, loved him so much that they wanted a birthday party based off Morse Bart with cutouts and everything. So are injury attorneys that big in your neck of the woods? So it they're not big, but we get the commercials. So okay. we don't have the billboards, but we get the commercials. Yeah, here we have both, and yeah, there are there are several that are kind of those big characters. There's mm-hmm. one in particular that his self-given nickname is the Hammer, and so <laughs> um, do yeah. we all have a hammer? <laughs> um, I think so, I've yeah. seen that commercial. I think someone did. I think someone was reported on that commercial. That he got like this big camera. Yeah, I think it's um, Legal Eagle on YouTube. He did, there was, a, I think, a lawsuit between two lawyers because they was calling themselves the hammer. <laughs> yeah, I can believe it. <laughs> so so you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you've seen this before. Yeah, it's, that That sent me. I was like, oh, man, I know exactly who this is. They don't call... That person more smart, obviously, but I was like, I know exactly which attorney this is. <laughs> so you can then go to the French Quarter, and um, the French Quarter is very beautiful during the daytime. <laughs> if you, <laughs> I, I've actually, I've lived here my whole life. I have actually never done the whole party on Bourbon Street thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I much prefer to go in the French Quarter during the daytime and take my time strolling and not stepping in vomit. Because <laughs> I think I think a lot of times tourists come and that's great. Thank you. Please, please continue to come and, and spend your money here. But a lot of people like to party and everything and you get to see the French Quarter at night. And there is a New Orleans icon represented in uh, a few New Orleans icons. Um, they're called Lucky Dogs, but they don't call them that in this game. But um, I don't think Lucky Dogs are quite as bad as what this hot dog vendor is selling. <laughs> I don't, I've never had one. I've never had a French quarter hot dog, but um, I, I think they're much better than this. This guy is selling like 10 year old hot dogs because he's saying he doesn't want to lose a profit. Oh man. 
oh my goodness. And then you, you have $1 and he's asking you for money. There's a guy dressed up like Santa asking you for money. There are these two homeless people asking for money. There's a little tour group who, who's not even being guided by a real tour guide who yeah. are freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I've, I've never done the, the French Quarter tours or anything. Usually when I, whenever I go to New Orleans, I'm just like, I'm going to a restaurant, I'm going to a museum. I don't, I don't do the tours, although that probably would be a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. I, I was, I was laughing so hard, but, um, I gave my money to the homeless people, but apparently you're supposed to give it to Santa for an achievement. Yes, because it plays a part in uh the second act oh, um, i messed up uh, no no because it plays a part in the second act and you will probably be upset on why it plays a part in it so i i can't reveal it until we get there oh. um so but uh i I brought the I, I brought the man to go get the hot dog. Oh, and, me too. Me too. Uh, I which is which is good, which is fine. You're supposed to kind of supposed to do that because you got to get the code to go into the door. The thing about it is, is that in the second act, and this is kind of optional if you want to find out about it. You talk to that guy, and he tells you the story of about what happens after eating the hot dog because i think santa oh. or someone oh my God. yeah so he so if you listen to the whole thing you do get an achievement for it so uh <sighs> let, let's just say that he um team rocketed in a limousine and i'm gonna leave it <laughs> it's, it's not santa it's the guy standing in front of the door or like who's under an over oh, it's the guy under the overpass who's hungry Yes. And you Yeah. You yeah, it's not Santa, but you send the guy to go get a dumpy dog and yeah, you'll find him outside of a club later on. Absolutely mm -hmm. listen to his story. That is one of the best poop stories I have ever heard in my entire I, I, life. I, I that's why I said he team rocketed in the limousine. <laughs> <laughs> and you, I, <laughs> you, you just got to go and it was just like and just the cadence of Kate, uh, uh, the way that you just start keep talking to Oh, him. Catherine's, Cath uh, yeah, 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 and oh, Catherine, yeah, and it's just like, uh, oh, I'm really interested. It was Catherine, yeah, I'm really interested. Keep going, keep going, keep going, and so he's just like, "Are you sure you're not weirded out by this? It's too disgusting." Mm -mm. And she's just like, "No, I want to hear all of." She was enjoying and getting her life for this it gave me life yes I so will say that. that that's that's great writing right there uh uh with it and stuff mm -hmm. but um when you get into the next part uh and you meet this person uh who's supposed to kind of like lead you to uh your next objective she's just like i gotta clean my uh <laughs> my uh crystal ball and stuff uh, don't touch it. And every time you try to go touch it, she'd be like, kind of hit your hand and be like, don't touch it. I got to clean oh, it. You... So did you, I think Leite Gamey wants to say something. He might be wanting to talk about a potentially missable achievement. Oh, go ahead, uh, Maybe. I don't know. I was going to ask. So the guy that you recruit to buy the hot dog, when you're doing that, did either of you watch the play that was being put on? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Under the overpass. Yes. Like this little hand shadow puppet show. Right. 
Yeah, well, yeah. what did you guys think about that? I okay, so it's a cool mini game to play as. Um, when you're doing the ship and you're going everything. Um what ended up happening with me though is that I ended up getting Aiden by the crocodile, by the alligator, even though I killed the fisherman who uh I think um killed hit kill or did something to one of his members and stuff because this guy the alligator just like you know he treated me i was gonna he was gonna the alligator was gonna come be my pet again or something like that but because of what the fisherman did to i guess his baby or whatever uh he he wanted you to go kill him and stuff and you could do you could kill him or you could like join him and kill the alligator and stuff. But I, I killed both I killed the guy and then I got killed by the alligator. Uh and I thought it was really cool um seeing that, but then also seeing that in the mall. I was just like, Oh wow. I'm like, this is cool that they did that inner thing. Um and I thought it was going to be like hand puppets and stuff, but no, it was just this hand doing this and doing the talking yeah, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So which, which choice did you make Celeste in the end? Um, I went with the shrimper because I'm terrified of alligators. <laughs> um, so I did, I did get delight seeing the billboards about like gator farms and stuff, because actually in the city next to me, there is a gator farm. In fact, a lot of school children will go there on field trips and they have little baby alligators. And of course they wrap tape around their snouts so they can't bite and they can hold alligators and everything. And I, I have never had an alligator in my yard, but I have seen like dead ones on the road near the bayous and mm-hmm. stuff. And um, there are some restaurants, Cajun restaurants along the bayou. And if you sit out, you're like, oh, look, there's a gator. They don't bother you as long as you don't bother them. But I I don't know. The, by the way, the, the writing for this story is absolutely beautiful. And yes. the gator is very convincing if you decide to go with the gator. I can see why you'd go with the gator. But I don't know. I was just curious. I want to see what's going to happen with the shrimper. And that's the quote unquote correct choice. You will not get eaten by the alligator. What about you late? So this was ended up being one of my favorite little sequences, just because I thought the story was, it was just really compelling. Like I thought that, like you said, it was beautifully told. I thought it was very sad, you know, both the description of what had happened to the skater's offspring. And then the fact that it had been, basically domesticated and turned into a pet as talking about being led on a leash and being given a name and being fed. It was something in daily, daily meat. I can't remember what the other thing was, but it just, it made me kind of really sympathize with this gator. And I just thought it was really nice. Um, little, I don't know, this little interlude in the middle of this, this larger story. And then the, the billboards. Right. I, I love that. The billboards with the, the hand puppet, the shadow puppet. Mm-hmm. I thought those were just, just great. I just, I, I thought it was so kind of, it's kind of off the wall. And it was just, um, I don't know. But yeah, it, I, I did the same as, um, as Ed. I, I went, actually, I didn't even question it. I had the choice. I immediately shot the shrimper. It was just, just immediate. Like, <laughs> I, I was totally on the alligator side. 
Gosh. Okay. So I, I played this game last month um, and you played a little bit more recently. What, like, did you, do you think there's some symbolism to the alligator betraying you? Just, gosh, there's, there probably is. You don't write something like that and not have some deeper meaning to it. But alligators are full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> but I, I don't know if we said this, but like the mini game, you're in a little boat in the bayou. It's it's very cool and you have to navigate and not hit the shorelines. Um, so fishing and shrimping and crabbing are huge industries down here and uh, catching their gator farms as well. So yeah, that's a, it was beautiful. So I'm going to be honest with you. I was not expecting to see that hand puppet um, thing under the overpass. I, on a sadder note, I'm surprised I didn't see um, Tent City of Homeless People to be honest with you. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I, I know mm-hmm. after they left, it was a t- person in the back in a tent um, that was there. And it was just like, you know, I'm just trying to survive. But the mm-hmm. cops keep, you know, busting up my stuff and everything. So mm-hmm. it was just like, after you play the game and you go back to the overpass uh, as Catherine, they left and you see this person sitting down and I guess they're living under the uh, the overpass. Um, and you could interact, like find more, find more about why they're being there. It's not too long of an interaction, but uh, when you mentioned that, so that's so I'm just like, but there was a tent there and another person, and I didn't think about any homelessness at that. Mm-hmm. About that, they're very they're very common under the overpasses in like Metairie and New Orleans. Um, we go to New Orleans about once a month, and if you go by the like the central business district and there are some overpasses you'll see a ton of tents not in like the the shopping areas but under the overpasses where there are no shops or anything and it's it's very sad it's very sad um that's what i was expecting to see instead of a puppet show and i'm i I guess i'm kind of happy there was a puppet show (laughs) instead um but yeah, like like Ed was saying, you can you have to complete this task on the Quack Job app, and you're you're supposed to meet up with somebody named Dallas. You go to Miss Rosie's shop, and she tells you what you need to do. And apparently, he's waiting outside, and his name is Dallas. So I love Dallas. Oh, I love him too. I I he's such a great written character, and man, uh, there's a point where. They're at the club, <laughs> and the dude is playing bounce music, and he's just like, "You playing bounce music for all these white people?" And they just get into it and everything. And he mentions the dude asks, asks him like, "Well, what, what, what do you love?" He's just like, "I love Christmas music all year round." And <laughs> we, we learned that about him. <laughs> you go, he's you, so yeah. good. You go to his house, or because you have the option to go to his house, and you get an achievement for this. You go in and you see his daughter, your daughter, and his and your grandson, and mm-hmm. there's a Christmas tree sitting right there, and they give you uh, a tie, and you can put that. You, if you put the tie on, you get an achievement for that also. So he was telling the truth that, you know, he loves Christmas. And or he loves Christmas music because it relaxes him, and he just and you touch on the tree, and he was just like, it's never too late or never too early to have a Christmas tree sitting in your home. And this is that character you talked about um, late about his car being flooded due to the pump yeah, failures, right? 
Yeah, and I, I think visiting his home, I think that was a nice touch. Just that scene, seeing him interact with his family because it's, he's a little different with his family than I think, than what you get to see when you're out in public with him and you really kind of get to see this, this kind of private side of him. And I think that was just a really nice little touch and I'm, I'm glad they put that optional scene in there. Can it, was, I, it was cool. Yeah, can, absolutely. Can, can I say that I really felt like uh, Catherine and Dallas should have fell in love and become a couple. Something ab- something about their relationship with them working together really made them feel like they were going to be falling in love and stuff. Because I could she, see that. she didn't love Blue, but the neighborhood loved Blue who knew him. To for something about Dallas, it felt like Dallas and Catherine, even though they have their own agenda stuff, it just really felt like those two together just felt right as a couple. Like they felt like soulmates that you that you wish that there were some written dialogue or something that they fell in love. Yes, and thank you. By the way, um, we haven't touched on this, but Blue is the name of Catherine's um, husband and the the father of Kay and Blake. He passed away, and yeah, you can actually, if you explore the house, you can learn a little bit more about him at uh, Catherine's house. But uh, after you meet up with Dallas, you go to this warehouse, and you click on this prompt, and you see this grotesque creature it yeah. looks like a like an eagle or something it's apparently called super duck and it's the one that is giving you the instructions on what you need to do um and what it wants it wants this orb that it sees in the swamp and then we get back to Kay's story actually so we are back into the the present time and you can go to the Floodgate Tavern now if you've already unlocked it. And otherwise you have to go through a few different steps. So you're looking for Blake again in the present day. And you can talk to probably one of my favorite characters, uh, Brett LeBlanc. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he's he's like a private detective. He's a, um, what, what does he call it? Private investigator? Yeah, like he, he spies on people for you. He's a character. He's like, I'll give you some information if you buy me a beer. So you talk to the barkeeper. Okay, he gives you some information. I'll I'll keep talking if you buy me another beer. I'll keep talking if you buy me some food. So you keep humoring him and he gives you some information on what's going on um, with, with Blake and your mom. And you learn there was this guy named Pawpaw, which is a common name for... Uh, a grandpa down here and probably elsewhere, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And he's telling you that this guy was like infatuated with, with Catherine and, and the whole family for some reason. And you can start asking about shield. You can start asking, you can watch the TV and you learn that there was this guy who was, I, I guess he's siphoning or blowing up the shield pipes out in yeah. the, the swamps. And you can ask him about, that do you know this person because the, the man's face is on these wanted posters on tv and you learn about these characters named laura st Clair and, and her father who runs shield down here and down there in norco and um i think one of late's favorite characters is also in the bar keith yes keith broussard he yes. he isn't featured very much but i think he would be a really good character to get to see more of he he's 
a conspiracy theorist who's working on a website with all these crazy conspiracies. And later near the end of the game, he pops in with like this intro, like this teaser for his website that I think is just, just hilarious. I would, it makes me wish that that was the real website I could go and watch just to see his, his um, very uh, passionate delivery of his conspiracy theories. He was so funny. And he um he's knows your family. Again, it's like it's a small town. Everybody knows everybody else. Mm-hmm. And he went to school with Catherine and everything. And so you then learn that you need to break into the shield refinery. That's a huge task. I mean, you're taking on this corporation. That's where you think you'll find your brother. And Ed, you had alluded to this. It turns out Blake would sometimes um sleep at the tavern, but Gus kicked him out because he was stealing money from the register. Yes. Yeah. So Blake had some troubles. So then after you go through all this, you head to this area called Dimes and you meet this gentleman named Duck. This part, I was a little nervous because it was dark in his house and I'm like, am I about to see a body? Is somebody going to jump out at me? But Duck, who's a really good friend with uh, your mother's, he is dying as well from cancer. He's on oxygen and you can... And you can ask him all these different questions. And it turns out that you start talking to him about this ring. That's this big deal to your mom that her grandfather gave her years ago. And you can go into his office. You can read his computer. You can open up these different um, boxes and learn about his wife. I believe Duck was married and his wife passed away. And help me, is it? His son his, passed away. His son passed away. And I believe it was from an explosion, right? From S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah, I believe it was a um, pipeline explosion in their in their front yard or backyard, I think, if backyard. I remember correctly. In their backyard. Yes, because they are a fence line community. Um, Dimes is considered a fence line community. And they're right there by, by S.H.I.E.L.D., and I was when I was looking on the Norco website at their different resources from their bibliography, there were some explosions kind of like late to gaming and, and you, Ed, were talking about that, that were horrible. Like this one kid who was like 16 years old, I think it was in the 80s or the 70s, he was starting a lawnmower and it ignited this explosion because there was a leak and he died in real life Norco. Oh, God, this... This whole game gets so sad. (laughs) But then you can go to this terminal on Duck's computer. And I liked this puzzle where you have to maneuver the shield security drone. So Duck, Mm -hmm. he's older, but he's very tech savvy. And he's trying to help you get into shield. And you can change the um, locations of these different cameras and guards. I I really liked that puzzle. What did y'all think? The drone stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it took me a while because I had to move some stuff and everything. And I'm just like, okay, now I I get it. You know, you can't have three here because if you have three, they're going to move back in. So I kind of mm-hmm. just like, okay, I have to move this, I have to move that. So I, I, I got it. I This puzzle wasn't as annoying as a certain other puzzle when you play as Captain. 
we will get it. <laughs> anyway. uh, but this one wasn't too hard or too challenging. It takes a few tries uh, to figure to uh, to figure it out. But um, it was a cool. It was a really cool puzzle. I, I like the way that you know, even in at his age and in his condition, he is still fighting the good fight. In a sense, mm-hmm. so uh, and it was kind of cool to see well i won't say cool but i know it was going for that thriller jump scare moment where mm-hmm. he's in the dark because you don't see a shadow of him or anything you click it on and then you just see him like smiling at you or looking at you <laughs> and stuff and this and this is because of the sprites the way that the sprite and the design of it and to let everybody know this is it this game doesn't have voice acting but they got the mumble jumbo talk they'd be like rah, 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 for a part for a part of for uh for some of these conversations uh that you're having with these characters and so duck was really like you really feel for him and he's the kind of person that man you know yes everybody else in the neighborhood moved out or was brought in out but he stood his ground he was just like i would die on this rock this is my house. No one is gonna take it away from me. If they want the, if they want it, they're gonna have to take it after I die. And you know, and he's he's still living. Hmm. Wait, do you have any thoughts on this part or this character? Yeah, I th- I think as, as Ed was talking there, I was thinking that Dime. I mean, um, sorry, Duck. He he feels very much like that. Um, this kind of the character who he's he's older he's seen life he's he's dealt with a bunch of crap probably in his past and he's he's done dealing with it and he's just you say he's standing his ground he's going to stay there until they kick him out or until he dies and they have to haul his body away and i kind of i kind of have a lot of respect for for someone like that so i think he was um he was was a nice character and then he's also very important to the story um i can't remember I think we started to learn in this scene about his connection to Super Duck. Is that right? Mm, I uh, I so can't remember. When it gets to um the act three. Okay. I was thinking uh, he might drop some hints here, but maybe maybe I'm confusing it with another scene. No, no, no. No, because in act three, uh so just to move a little bit forward, in act three when you you and you and LeBlanc goes to Duck House, um, and you're looking for Duck. Um, you find him in the room where you was playing moving all the drones. And he's sitting there, uh, sleep and you wake him up and he tells you uh about uh, uh the super duck. Um that was kind of based off his uh memories, uh his the visionary thing that Catherine does he kind of does the same thing too and so they use that to make us a super duck um because those the garrets they want his old like modem kind of thing and stuff and that was the and that modem or whatever that internet thing was was the thing for a super duck yeah, and if you, I'm assuming if you're listening to this episode, you've played the games because <laughs> we've just spoiled a whole lot of stuff for you. But yeah, it's you do learn that uh, Duck was doing a versioning as well, like Catherine. 
yeah. was, but um, his went a little awry, to speak. But this this part, oh man, the the next part you you have to go to the mausoleum. You're you're guided. You're instructed to go to the mausoleum where your mom is buried, and this is a little morbid. This is oh, oh. like you you go to the mausoleum and you use a pry bar to open up your mom's vault, and it's empty except for a letter and Catherine's ring. Um, so not only is your brother missing, your mother's corpse is missing too. And I, I kept thinking, okay, who on earth wants anything to do with my mother's corpse? And they must also have Blake as well if, if they're taking my mom. And so you are then pulled to the Batur, which is behind Dime's discount, and you meet the guy who was on TV Lucky. Lucky is probably my favorite NPC in this game. Yeah. But I, yes. I love, I love, I like Duck. Duck is my guy. Uh, Lucky, Lucky is cool too. I, I like how he was used in this game. Uh, and then how you have to find, uh, well, I won't get into that. I'll let you talk about that first. So <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he's asking if you can help him find his dog, Potts. And if you remember by Sarpy's bookstore, the kids who were by this dog, they if you click on the dog, there's a very important description of the dog. And did you know you can make this game harder by not having keywords highlighted or change colors? Did you know that? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that in the settings. And when I initially saw it, I wasn't clear on what it meant. But then once I started playing, I quickly realized how much more difficult it would make some of these things to figure out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it, little keywords for you to pay attention to will be highlighted or in different colors as you play. Um, but he's asking for his dog pots who is by Sarpy's bookstore. So you got to go get some dog food from dimes discount and you feed pots who joined your party. And this is what I didn't do what you did with crouton late to gaming. This is how I made crouton launch into space. Mm. I had Potts startle her. I don't know if y'all did that. No, Ed. I didn't realize you could do that. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can um, You can go back into Sarpy's books, and I don't know what possessed me to do it. I think I was just curious what would happen with a dog and a cat, and uh, Erica gets incredibly mad at you and will not <laughs> speak with you anymore. And in fact, the um, walkthrough I'm using as a guide to help me recall things it says that if you want to unlock everything possible for Erica's mind map or, or other information, do not launch Crouton into space. But if you do, you get a cute phone case. Oh yeah. The Crouton phone case. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, these are, these are little bonuses, but in the alligator story from the previous chapter, apparently you can find a gator phone case too in the bayou. Yes. I found that one. You did? Yeah. I did not. Is it cute? Yeah, it's kind of cute. It's it's kind of just got the, um, you know, it's just kind of the green kind of outline, but on the top is a little little gator head, like on the top part of the phone. So it's kind of cute. Oh, Ed, did you collect any phone cases in this game? No, I brought them. I spent the five dollars for. Oh yes, yeah. so there is a chance if you don't find them later on in the game, you you can buy them if you're that kind of person that wants to collect the phone cases. <laughs> <laughs> so. You then have Lucky, you have Kay, you have Million, and you go to the Shield Refinery. 
And this is where it's, again, that juxtaposition between uh, the machines and humanity. So they are guarded by these centurions and these drones, and you can fight them. You, like Lucky, I guess he has a gun or something or just hits them, but you use your different characters. But let's see. It's called a quick time event. The, mm-hmm. That's what these events are called. Um so you you definitely don't want to have the drones like after you disabled them with Duck's computer, it's much easier to start exploring the shield refinery. But after you defeat these guards, you are brought to Catherine's flashback again. And this is where the game gets I mean, it's been interesting so far, but this is where it gets extra interesting. <laughs> so you play as Catherine and you and Dallas are in front of this mall, the promenade mall. And I if I'm not for certain, but Geography of Robots, if you are listening to this, or I'm going to talk to you at some point, I know. Is this based off the Esplanade Mall in real life in Kenner? It has to be. The Promenade Mall, Esplanade Mall, it has to be. So there are these kids called Garrett's. They call themselves the Garrett's. That's not their real name. That's just the name they go by. They're like this little cult gang. They all wear these... They kind of remind me of like Blockbuster or... Yeah, like Blockbuster um, Best Buy shirts. Yes, these polos, these blue polos, they all have this weird bowl cut. Yeah. And their their leader's name is Kenner John. Kenner is a little city like right outside of New Orleans. And there's this joke that um Kenner bruh, I'm going to Kenner bruh. That's so whenever <laughs> whenever they were um using bruh a lot, I was like, Oh my god. Kenner bruh. <laughs> that reminds me, sorry to, to interrupt at oh, no. point, but I wanted to ask you about that, about the term bruh and the fact that it's spelled three different ways in the game. Is that like, are there different inflections that different demographics will use? Um, I've only ever seen it B R U H and the other ways I've seen it kind of threw me off a little bit. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's something because I don't live in New Orleans. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know, but uh, is that a term? I, I think bruh is used outside of Louisiana, like bruh. Like if you see something startling, like if if Ed uh, shot off a firework, I might go, bruh, that's loud. Or bruh, that's big. Is that in your neck of the woods? Uh, around here, I, I'm. It, it is a little, but I'm more associated with like, more like the frat guy demographic. Mm-hmm, like bro? Uh, yeah, kind of. But yeah, that exaggerated uh, version of that. Um, so okay. I'm, I'm not as used to seeing... You know, older men use it in the way that it was being used in this game. We we say it kind of like jokingly, like my boyfriend Timmy will be like, "Bruh, look at this," and he'll just be he'll just be being silly, like he won't say it unironically <laughs> in conversation. <laughs> um, but there's there's like I follow some different New Orleans like subreddits and uh, Instagram, Twitter accounts, and you'll see Kinnebra, Kinnebra. Like I don't know, it's. It's funny, like they they have they pick on one another, like different sections of New Orleans and the suburbs outside of them will they'll be like pick your fighter, and they'll have people from different TV shows representing the different parts of New Orleans <laughs> in the city. So, thank you for that question. I, I wish that I could be of more use, but um, I would like to interview Geography of Robots. I reached out to them, and they should be available in the spring. And I'm going to ask them. Excuse me, I have to know why "bra" is spelled different ways <laughs> because I feel very out of the loop. But yeah, Kenner John, which that name sent me, that was the best name ever. He's 
he has this apocryphon app. So these these kids, they seem like misfits, but they are we see especially later on in the game, they're very resourceful and very intelligent and I wish they were using their powers so to speak for more productive ventures, but they kind of seem like well, one of them for sure has a really good home life it seems, but are they just are they like just these outcasts? Um I mean, New Orleans, every big city has gangs, uh, but they're not. (sighs) This is a a cult, and these are just kids who are, you know, who's kind of like ran away from home and and stuff like that. Um, Why? Because the thing about it is like the main guy, he's into uh, the Jesus-y stuff. I won't say religion and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, because mm-hmm. of what he says when he's getting giving his final words and stuff, and so it, it's pretty much a cult, and they they take over this mall. Now, as Catherine, you and Dallas have to go find these three scripture readings or something to yes. enter enter the mall. Um, and and with that, you know, you download this app on your phone, uh, so that you can see. Uh, what it is, you know, to be able to see uh, where these little, these three symbols are at. Um, and you also later on get like this voice memo and everything, mm-hmm. which kind of plays a part later on in the game. And it was, it was, I messed up because I got rid of. Um, so if you, when you go find your first piece, um, and after you talk to the detective stuff, you go find this home and you find, you see this black little thing on the ground. So it's kind of like a VR, VR thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you scan it, you, you see what the piece is and then you get this reading, but you could go inside the garage and, you know, meet, uh, there's a character named Bruce. Uh, you meet his dad and you guys are talking he and she kind of says if if you uh, uh the dad says if you see him i wish you could record what i would have said to him if i ever got a chance to talk to him again and if you got the voice memo you can record what he says and everything and play it back for bruce in the future and i got rid of I got rid of that recording on accident because you can only have a certain amount of recordings on the phone. Not just like, uh, oh no. I did uh, too. Uh, but this was the infuriating part because I, I thought the mall part was really cool, but I hated going to the city council and you go all if you don't pay attention, if you go all the way upstairs and you get to the end part because you think you can open up the door, it's locked. So they treat this section as a puzzle. This is the final um kind of puzzle thing that you gotta get. You gotta go all the way back down, go to the dead basement, talk to a guy who's squatting down, and he gives you this note, and then you have to follow the, these directions. Uh and you get to go up, go down, or fill around. And once after you get the this note, there's three numbers that you gotta get. If you fill around and you do it on the right way, you're shaking hands, but the third one grabs you and kind of shakes you and then leaves. Uh one of the one of the uh levels that you go to, it was dark, but when you go in, it's light and you meet this person. And then you 
go over to the top. I what I hate about this is finding the right. Uh, they give you the clue on what you need to do, but I hate that you have to go through all of these stairs. You can't jump around or anything. You gotta literally go from one to I think one to ten or one to nine, uh, in order to find out what is the right answer for this. So I did cheat uh, on this one. I I went through a, I went to YouTube, found a video guide. Let me see the last three numbers. Okay, let me do it found it and then went went up i had to cheat because i didn't feel like dealing with this nonsense i'm like why would you put a puzzle like this inside of a a, a secret search or whatever uh of it oh so i was like that no. that, ugh. that didn't bother me as much as the fact that it's dark and people are touching you that would have bothered me tremendously in real life i don't <laughs> I would be like, I give up. I don't need the money this badly. I am not going into empty stairwells at night to get on top of this. But you, at one point while you're collecting these um, virtual sculptures, you meet Pawpaw, the ditch man. He lives in a ditch, a drainage canal right outside of the mall. And yes. I will say he, like you're, you have your phone up and his silhouette is like slowly making its way closer to you. Did y'all? Freaked me out. Freaked he me he out. came out from the left. So, the, oh, mine was the right. I think. I see. I see. I seen where the part was at, but he was coming from the. So when you're watching it, uh, yeah, he does come from the right, but it looks like he's entering, like headed towards your left, going like. Mm. Everybody who's seeing it is probably is showing that I'm probably doing this, but it's going like this way. So it's just like, what in the world is this man doing? Mm-mm. Or who is Mm-mm. this? And yeah, you kind of find out who he is, and uh, it was funny because you uh, you talk to LeBlanc because he actually when you guys are talking and stuff, there's a point that he gets you get mad at him because you at, he asked you question about blue. Uh, and you, if you talk to him again, uh, there's a bag of chips underneath the car. And oh, it's the, Keith. Keith. Keith Broussard is the one in the car outside of the mall. Oh, okay. That's, so that's Keith. That's um, yeah. The outside of the mall, it's it's missable, but you can talk to Keith Broussard. By the way, yes. So I got I he I talked to him one time. I mean, I talked to him again. He left because he caught it a knife. I grabbed the chips went back to the mall entrance uh, or the or the back of the mall and gave the chips to the boy to get to the first Gary you beat uh who got kicked out he got kicked out the he got kicked out the uh the court and but if you like give him the chips and stuff you get an achievement for it but you also are able to like kind of define the code and stuff and open the door because he you give him the chips and he speaks something to you and you use that to open up the door to get into the mall i thought that was really cool that was cool what late what do you think about like pawpaw and this this whole situation before we move on to uh we're going to be becoming k again in a minute so i, I was because i was recording video of me playing through i was kind of narrating and, and reading out loud all of the text Mm-hmm. So I was reading that and my focus was up, you know, on that side of the screen. And there was this movement coming from off screen that I was kind of ignoring. And then he <laughs> just kind of glides into the screen and takes focus. And it was so creepy. I just, <laughs> I just kind of had to, had to take a minute because I, it was just very well done. And 
that kind of sets the stage for my relationship with Ditch Man. I think. Um, <laughs> but I like I like his character a lot. He he's he's kind of out there, and uh, some of what he says is uh, pretty kind of bizarre. But I I like the character, and um, I, I wouldn't say he was he's not my favorite, but he was he's probably up there for me. He he's very affectionate towards Catherine and you find out why later. Um, he's pretty much been stalking her. He's been stalking Kay somehow. He's been stalking Blake. And we'll explain why later. And I did some research on this and it's actually related to a real life situation. Oh. Um, yeah, which I did not know about. But yeah, Papa, he's very poetic. He's, I thought he kind of looked like Marilyn Man, not Marilyn Manson, um, Charles Manson, mm-hmm. because he has like these scar carvings. I don't know if that's just the furrow of his skin or his brow, but it looks like he has a cross on his forehead. He just he looks does. very bizarre. He does. He's um, very Catholic of it. That's yes. It. Um, yes. And mm-mm. so well, he was. He was. Ca- he was their next door neighbor, so that's why he knows so much about. Them. That's Brett, who's their next door neighbor. Actually, I thought at, Ditchman was was his next door neighbor too. At, at one point, Ditchman claims to have been their next door neighbor. Oh, yeah. okay. Because yeah. I thought he just lived in the ditch. <laughs> 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 I forgot about that. Okay, he knew where they. He yeah. He's he's weird, uh, and he'll become very prominent later on. But he's he's something. So then after yeah, go ahead. Uh so uh this is the part where you mentioned, you know, the daughter of Santa Claus. So if you there's a Garrett that you meet in there and he just said, Hey, I need a little bit something, dish man, to you know, give me energy. And you have three ways of getting it. The first way is you could go back to the club and uh talk to a guy. Uh, or no, talk to this girl, and Catherine ends up paying it. So you know you got some drugs. You could go to uh, this park, and he goes into a toilet stool and get his uh, it, uh, gets mm-hmm. his drugs there. Or and you could also see him uh, go to the bathroom in the urinal if you want to for achievement. Third is that you could get drugs from Santa Claus if you gave him the dollar. I, I did the bathroom in Lafreniere Park, which I've been to Lafreniere Park. They have beautiful lights at Christmas time, mm-hmm. and I've never experienced a pawpaw giving me drugs in the bathroom. Yeah, I, yeah, I did I, the same. And at first, I thought that he was just going in there and like finding them that had been hidden, like up behind the you know the toilet or something. But mm-hmm. I guess someone said something later, or maybe I read it in a, in a walkthrough. I can't remember. But I got the impression that he was actually going in there and scraping like some mold or some kind of growth up, and oh, that and that was I, the drug I, that was actually giving the kid. I I don't know it. I don't it, put it past him. It looked very to me. It looked sexual in a sense because I'm just like, <laughs> what are you doing doing that? It 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 looked weird. But then to get the dress from Santa Claus, I thought literally was so funny. Um, that they give you those three options, and you only could give him uh, one of the drugs, I, I believe, to that Garrett. Uh, so it, it's kind of 
it all some of the stuff that you know plays a part because you meet the guard and who's guarding this door and he's talking about you know all of these rules that everybody need to follow and stuff and if you go around and you record certain lines from people and play mm-hmm. it back to them that's make that makes them mad and at least like he kind of ends up quitting it so you know he's against porn drugs uh, video games all of that stuff and the people that you interact they're the ones if you uh, record them and play it back to them uh the drugs that you give to the one kid because it's a guy a uh, adult giving the kid drugs uh what that drugs are i don't know but you give him like i'm assuming cocaine or something like that uh which ends up playing a part uh when um what's his name is giving his speech uh, but we'll get into that part later yeah, it's it, it can be it can be hard to keep track too because you go from Catherine to to Kay, mm-hmm. and there is a you do go back to Kay's section in modern day and you fight these shield drones and these robots and it's it's very like cyberpunky, and you actually have to bring this this um, drone creature to the flame at the refinery and then you get into this big fight sequence and this distracts these guards in front of the shield HQ, which kind of looks like a plantation a little bit. It has that vibe to it, like a mansion and there's a masquerade going on, which I I thought was a nice nod to Mardi Gras season. Possibly. I'm not sure what time of year this game takes place, but it like people are wearing masks, people are drinking, they're having revelry, and you can talk with different people, and you can actually talk with Laura St. Clair's father. Is it Thomas? I believe his name is Thomas St. Clair. It is, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you I figured out which one he is. Did you figure out which one he is? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. He's at the masquerade. He is dressed like a crow or like a raven. Uh huh. You never see his face, but he but always know who yeah. who you are. Yeah, mm-hmm. he knows who you are, and you can actually. Th- this part is pretty sad. You can actually go and talk with Laura St. Clair, and it sounds so. She's been trying. She was working with your mom, um, Catherine, to try to get this orb in the swamp, which Catherine was seeking for Super Duck, and she has a lot of regrets. To me, it kind of sounds like she realizes what Shield has done to the the locals, and they're they're sick. They're impoverished. Um, the environment's been messed up. They're they're just everyday people. And uh, Shield is actually trying to kick her out. She's the CEO, and she and her dad actually. Um, I don't know if he like legally disowned her or something, but she was so focused on having Shield using Shield's resources to go and chase this orb in the swamps that they were actually planning on kicking her off her her. Um, her designation, her her designation as a CEO. Yeah. And this part was really sad. After you after you leave her office. Well, hold on before you get there. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Hold on, hold on before you get there. Um so before all of that is set up, um Bruce is kind of talking about the rocket thing. Um, you know, yes, and, and you get to meet the man's so, son. He's he's at this masquerade. Yeah. So you um 
you know, he gets he's drunk and all, you know, you use him to open up the door to go upwards to go see uh to go see her. And uh the the thing about it is is that uh Laura and Shield has come and broken into uh cat uh Captain's house and took some stuff from her and you're going to mm-hmm. try you're trying to recover it back. Uh, but Laura ends up giving it to you. She just like go take it. Um, there's not really anything there. It's uh, besides like uh the dime discount card and, and stuff like there. Uh, and so you do you do all of that, and you're just hearing her speak in like the sad voice. Um, you get the box and you walk. You get the contents and you walk away. And you get to the end of where you're about to go back into the elevator and you hear a gunshot. She ends up killing herself mm-hmm. um, in it. Exactly. Uh, you know, so you kind of now have these uh, kind of two storylines, one with Catherine and one with uh, Kate. Uh, is Emma saying her name right? Kate. Kate. Uh, I said Kate. Uh, (laughs) Close, very close. Uh, Because, um, you know, when you're in the mall, you end up getting the white orb because there's something attached to you that it it likes. And uh, you use that to um, literally go back and give that to Super Duck. Um, With Kate, and everything you get this card um and you go to the discount store you use it to find out and it tells you that it's a fake card now earlier we talked about the mary statue when you kind of find out if you touch on a mary statue it reveals itself to be a card reader in it and it goes like, you, you hear it. You put that funny card in, and then you hear something that opens up. If you didn't search around in the attic, um, you wouldn't know where to go. So when you go in and you get into the attic, you see that Captain has a setup. I'm going to let you turn it over to you, Celeste, because Oof. this part is definitely... In a, in a, this is definitely in a way snatcher material in a sense, but it doesn't play out in a way of snatcher. And I'll explain. I'll explain why. Um, so you start poking around at her different computer terminals, and you can actually hear her versioning, and it's like you're trying to communicate with her. Million suddenly snaps, and you she. She goes at the screen to, to you, Catherine, you hear a scream and that's where the scene ends and you play as Catherine again. And that's where like the different drug things and the, the garrets, you explore them all. And so late, is there anything you wanted to say before we yeah. talk about like the, the whole garret situation in the mall? No, I, I don't think so. I think you guys pretty well covered all of that. I don't think I have anything to add. Okay, well, let me let me bring up the Snatcher thing. So, in Snatcher, there is the what Snatcher is about is that these robots are kind of taking the skin of humans or the likeness of humans, and they're putting it on their robotic body and stuff. And the thing about Snatchers is is that 
they have to protect themselves from the uh from the sun rays of the sun so they've been t- putting on sun lotion and everything to protect themselves and one of the in the second act uh or the first act or second act of snatcher there is a shower scene uh where one of the girls that you've been talking to who's been helping you like go to different places she's holding her hands on part of her face and the reason why she's doing that is because she's a snatcher you can her skin came off and you will see the metal part when that gets revealed when that gets revealed, you go into this uh, action sequence where you must shoot her and stuff because she's attacking you. And it's the same way that Million almost attacks you uh, when it snaps and it opens up and everything. But you don't fight Million and stuff. You end up hearing about Million uh, attacking you when it comes to the third act. So that's okay, where that's the comparison comes. I'm going to play Snatcher. This is the thing, well, talk to your boyfriend on how to play Snatcher because it's not available. And this Snatcher is a game by Konami. Um, Please, uh, and also, you know, Hideo Kojima, I think, also did Police Knots, which is a big thing. But Snatcher is one of the games that I regret not buying because I didn't have a Sega CD. It was only $19.99 at KB Toy Store when I was a kid when it came out. And that game is worth a lot. And everybody like me wants Snatcher to come out on Nintendo Switch. I want them to bring this game back out. Cause you, if you play Snatcher, you can watch. There, there's a full playthrough on YouTube, but Snatcher is one of the games that I always wanted to play. So that's why I keep bringing that game up with Norco, with, with some of the influences and seeing. No, I appreciate it because I haven't played it. Have you played Snatcher lately? No, I haven't. It's on my list. It was covered by I think another podcast, which I know you also listen to. Um. And so I looked it up because I want to add a Sega CD to my collection. But yeah, like Ed said, it's it's outrageously expensive. Um, so I've, I've not had the opportunity. Oh, yeah, Retrovaniacs covered it. Yep. Yeah. Yes. This, thank this was you. A, yeah. It's not, and there's a code to snatch on the Sega CD. So that's if you ever play it. That's the way that you can see the blood in the real version of the game. Because there is a point where a guy's head is ripped off. Oh, it's, it's it's not it, you don't see it being ripped off, but the way that it's designed is so it's so cool that they did this in the nineties. So yeah, well, this explains something about speaking of ripping off heads. Just I can see the connection coming up a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, you're you're back with um Catherine Dallas and and Papa and you're trying to unlock these different things in the mall. You're trying to get to this secret room where it looks like Papa was staying and he's Papa has ulterior motives with the Garretts. He wants to take over. He wants to replace Kenner John. Yeah. And um you actually go to Papa's room. And I don't know if you picked up on this. Okay, so like there's this this jar and it's it's rambling. It sounds like there's somebody in there and you have to record this message 
in the background that's uh, Papa says called Epthpapatha. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but yeah, I looked right. that up. Epthpapatha. <laughs> so apparently, um, I'm not sure if it's Hebrew or, or something, but it is it is a language from the Bible. I believe Jesus says it, and it means be opened, and that opens the vase or the basket. I should say, and this Garrett pops out. So what the hell was Papa doing with this young man in this vase? I don't, I don't want to know this, this is very creepy. It's a very, it's a little disturbing. I'm not sure if there were, um, I don't know. I don't know this, that ends act two, but Papa wants to take over. He gets the Garrett's all riled up because he's speaking out against Kenner John. He's talking about how he's been around for 2000 years. He's saying he's this prophet and he has connections to the lineage of uh, Jesus Christ himself. It's wild. It is wild. There is turbulence among the Garrett's. They, they start questioning Kenner John. It's, it's a cool scene, but the, the, uh, the Garrett's won't look, the Garrett's want the clothing that Kenner John is wearing because they're, <laughs> they're just like, I thought, and because uh, Papa is making this racket and he's causing all this confusion so you could go in, go in and stuff. And uh, they're mad at Kenner John because they don't got the robes and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, Kenner John is all about Jesus and, you know, the prophecy and all of this stuff. And then he starts cussing like it ain't no tomorrow and stuff. And it's just like, oh, wow, this is the where the cult part comes in into everything. This this part's pretty sad. That Okay, so you, you get this orb from Kenner John. It starts following Catherine. And you go back to Super Duck in the warehouse and give it the node. And that is where even more problems start. And that's where we go into Act 3. Yes. So, um, as you remember, Million attacked Kay. And it's actually Brett LeBlanc who saves you because his private detective house is right next to your house. And you wake up in his office and... Did you notice the toilet in his office right next to his desk? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, um, earlier in the game when he talks, uh, tells you about the uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent stealing um, the box from your mother's house, mm-hmm. it turns out that's the reason that he didn't intervene, supposedly, is because that's where he was when he saw it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, whole big, yeah, there's a whole big exchange where he's he's talking like, oh, I would have... I would have stopped them. I would have, you know, put them in their place or whatever. And then it turns out that's why he couldn't uh, couldn't intervene. Oh my god! Yeah, he's he's an unusual character. He's not quite as unusual as Papa, but he's he's up there. And so he he explains that he saved you from million, and you actually get Catherine's smartphone again, and you can start using it as K. So. You want to go back to, I believe it's Duck's house. There's a head drive client app and you have this voice menu menu app. But I think I'm trying to remember you. Okay. You go back into the hidden office. Um, you have to return. Yes. Dimes, which is where Duck is. And you see this note left on his desk. And I think, was he attacked by those Garrett's who were hanging out in front of his house? You have to fight them. Yeah. You have to fight them. Yeah. 
they didn't attack them. Uh, they were just asking them a lot of questions, and then because it was too much, it was too many Garrets who, and none of them had a leader. They ended up leaving uh, because he didn't have any answers, and because of that, it kind of wore him out, and he fell asleep. Yeah, and so you read this note, and you learn that there's this sunken head in the bayou somewhere, and ooh, ooh, this part gets. This park gets pretty gross. And and late you had mentioned that you want to come down to Louisiana and ride across Lake Pontchartrain, which plays a big part in this game. Yeah, that is something that I've wanted to do for several years. So I was pretty excited to see the lake was featured. And then when you actually get into the sequence where you're in the boat, you mm-hmm. actually have to go under the bridge. And there's just a lot of conversations about it. Um, well, that was pretty cool. So it'll be be fun to drive across it sometime and think about um you know the sunken head underneath the the water and the, the various things from the game maybe you can go look for one oh, I, I bet there's more than one in there oh oh probably that's oh yeah so you you go to like poncha train you you go into these fishing camps and you're knocking on these doors and you get to read this billboard and it's really cool. There are all these hidden messages. If you use your app, the uh, Kenner John Apocryphon app and you can knock on one of the doors and you'll meet some familiar face, at least one familiar face. Dallas is with these two other characters and you, you learn that Catherine actually worked with them and they are studying super duck, which is who um, Dallas and Catherine were working for. And it's actually because, so Super Duck is the versioning of Duck's mind. And somehow it it took over, it grew, it became this malevolent being. And it it caused these nodes to overload or something because of that orb. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of wild. It's a little fantastical. And then you have, they have another boat driving scene. Um and you're trying to connect to these different areas in the ghost bayous, and you have to unlock different things because you can't see the shoreline towards the north of the map. And they have a, a really fun achievement where you can find some Mardi Gras beads and you can give it to the pig man of the swamps. Did y'all do that? No, I did it. No, I missed that one. Yeah, you can find, like whenever you, the sonar goes off, whenever it beeps from your boat, that means you can dive into mm-hmm. the water and you can search for some Mardi Gras beads, and then there's another section towards the right um, or the east where you find this pig man of the bayou, and you throw the Mardi Gras beads to him, and he wears them, and you get an achievement or something. Oh, okay. (laughs) But, oh my goodness. So the four sections that you have to hit where you dive into the water, they have some very um, disturbing yet kind of moving dialogue, like these hypothetical situations that Kay finds herself in. Like she's, she's still searching for Blake and it's like her subconsciousness is, is speaking to her a little bit. What did y'all think about this, this boat driving part? Uh, go ahead, uh, Blake. So I, I like the, I, I liked it in general. And the thing, again, I keep drawing parallels to where I grew up in Eastern Kentucky I just kept mm-hmm. thinking about how these, the swamps and all of these little inlets and all of this kind of maze of waterways reminds me of 
back home really i mean there it's roads wow. and it's it's the mountains and it's um what would uh, uh locally be called hollers instead of valleys or hollows uh but it, it, it reminded me of all of that because you have people finding who know those areas very well or are going to those areas and hiding and doing illegal stuff or you know <laughs> whatever um so i was of course reminded of all of that while i was playing through this um I don't remember a lot about the text that you were describing um, in the diving sequences. So I kind of want to go back and replay that mm-hmm. and uh, just to kind of refresh myself on, on some of those sequences. But, um, and I feel like there was at least one other optional thing that I found, but I can't remember what it was. Um, You do find your monkey. Because uh, oh, at some yeah, point, while, right. while you're while you're driving down airline highway, um, monkey flies off your back, and you actually can find it. And I highly recommend you do if you did like what Ed and I did and forgot to record Bruce's dad's recording. I highly recommend you get this monkey because it can help you with another ending yeah. in the game. But um, you do find Kenner John's sunken head in the Ghost Bayous, and you learn that Pawpaw decapitated him. And he is now in charge of the Garrets. It's it's wild. And so so then you you reach the end. John's Pond. That's where you reach. And there, God. Okay, this part was wild. There are these micro influencers and nano influencers recording everything that's going on. There are all these Garrets. Some of them have weapons. There are even some people. I guess they're part of the National Guard. Like some snipers. They're watching the Garrets because I guess they assume. Are you some kind of um, militia? Are you trying to hurt people? What's going on? And in the distance, you see this huge rocket ship that the Garrett's built. Again, like if they could use their powers for good, imagine <laughs> the things they can accomplish. But then there are some NPCs. If you talk to them and listen to them, they're saying, well, we must be the dumb ones. Look what these Garrett's, these kids can accomplish. That was wild. And so you, there is a part and I, I did this after I got the first ending I received. You can find Bruce in this container if you knock on it. You can either show him the recording from his dad and he'll leave the container, or you can give him your monkey, your pet monkey, and he'll leave the container. But he has to leave the container in order for you to get um, one of two possible, well, two of three possible endings. Yeah. This <laughs> so then you have to tell a snipe. You have to get this other guy who's like you have to give this. I guess he's another Garrett. He looks like a monk kind of. You give him Kenner John's head, and he's saying that he's the one true um, leader of the pack. He's the pawpaw. He's the ditch man. And you record him saying this. You show it to some snipers. They fire a warning shot at him, and they end up hitting the kid that Ed was talking about, who was eating the nasty potato chip. <laughs> They hit him in his knee or something and you get his card and you're able to, as everybody's distracted by this injured kid, you can actually go into the rocket ship and okay. uh, Ed late there, all these little things that happen. And there was, I think it's right here where you get to, for the mezzanine, you get to revisit your home. And that was one of the most poignant parts of this game where you get to visit different rooms and you see the outline of the Mississippi river through new Orleans, through Norco. 
and you even get to see the ghost or this image of um, Laura St. Clair telling you what's going to happen to you and your brother and your mother. It's, it was gorgeous. And it's like the house is flooding again and you're just going through different memories. You even revisit blue. What did y'all think about just the whole rocket ship situation? Uh, it, it was revealing everything like the build up and the lead up to all of this stuff was so good. It, it was revealing everything, you know, what, what Kay didn't understand. She's now coming to understand. She's getting to learn. And so it was a good, it was a good way on kind of wrapping up the story of Norco of Kay's journey. Um, and even Catherine just like learning about this stuff. Like I, I just thought it was, the way that they were going to end this as not so over the top, but like cinematic storytelling. That's what mm-hmm. this literally was. It was, I mean, yeah, everything else was in a venture mode video game, but then it turned into something else when it got to this part. I'm just like, Oh, this is kind of deep. It's revealing. This is this is cinematic storytelling that they're doing. Yet uh, it still have the basis of a video game. I definitely enjoyed it. I loved it. What about you, Late? Yeah, on the um, the scene you were describing, where you kind of get to revisit your home and it goes through room by room, I I remember thinking that was probably the end of the game. Like you said, it mm-hmm. was such kind of a beautiful wrap up and just the way everything was being kind of described and, and it just felt very much like the end. So I was kind of surprised when I exited that part of the, you know, the sequence and there was more to do. Um, but yeah, I thought that was uh, like a lot of the other parts of the game. It's like, there are these little, um, these little, um, parts of, of storytelling that are just, just really kind of beautiful language and just kind of very poetic, I feel like. And I think that was one of them. Um, the other thing that happened in the rocket, which confused me a lot at first, is there are there are some battle sequences where as you're climbing up the rocket at each level, I think you have to fight some opponent. And the first one is John. And my first thought was, isn't John dead? But then you also fight um, an opponent labeled Shield. I can't remember mm-hmm. what the third one is. But then uh, you... Super Duck. Oh right? yeah, that's right, Super Duck. But then afterwards, you talk to um, LeBlanc, who makes it sound like he didn't see any of that. Like, it, like that was apparently all in your head because he talks about how you were just like, like swinging wildly. It seemed like and. It, it it was um, it very much gave me the impression that to him you were just kind of losing it and were just um, attacking the air and I'm I'm still not a hundred percent sure what that sequence was was actually meant to communicate. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that, either of you? Well, no, I don't. I, I kind of wonder the house situation. I, it kind of reminded me of moments just hitting you of you start things will trigger memories for you. You'll, you know, you might just be minding your own business and you might remember something like a relative who's passed away, who was very close to you. You, you, Maybe you're just washing dishes and something mundane 
and you start thinking more philosophical, deeper thoughts. And she, she's also returning after five years. She wasn't there when her mother drew her last breath. Her, her brother is a misfit. She probably, Kate, you don't really, and by the way, I don't know if we said this, but you don't really see Kay's true face. She's, Mm-mm, it kind of looks right. like if you played stray, that's the best way I can describe it. She has like those mm, little, like a little, little eyes, little smiley face, like almost like a robot. And I think Blake kind of looks the same way too. While, while Catherine looks like a human being. Yeah. I think it, I really feel like it's the orb showing Kay all that stuff because the orb was mm. connected to Catherine so much. So if that's the case, I think the orb was, was reading all of Catherine's thoughts or, or just like literally been wherever she went. Uh, or there, There's something about it. It felt like all the information that Catherine was holding uh, once the orb got around her or, or, or something, I don't know if she ever touched it, it felt like the orb uh, just got all her memories and all her thoughts and stuff. And so when it gets into when Papa and the orb is in the rocket and stuff, I feel like the orb is showing uh, Kate um, everything that her mom remembers, everything that was going on when her mom was living. And so, so the stuff that Kay missed out, the orb is informing her, is showing her and everything. Mm. Because Kay knows nothing about Laura uh, killing herself or anything. So that's why true. that's mm-hmm. why when they're having that discussion, she was just like, this is the form that I'm taking because da-da-da-da-da this and stuff. And that's interesting because some of that was really the intention that Catherine had by by doing the versioning and leaving the head drop behind. So ultimately what you're saying is the orb ended up doing a much better job of communicating these memories to Kay than that sketchy low end head drive that Catherine had, had recorded um, that kind of is part of all this mess. Yeah. So this is where, <laughs> yeah, there are one of three endings you can experience. So you go into this very magnificent looking room, which I don't think rockets really look like that on the inside. <laughs> it looks like a shrine, like a te- like temples. There, there are a lot of um Catholic motifs as well in this rocket. Like you see Marian statues, you see the crucifixes, you see angels, just different things like that. And so when you reach the the top, the pinnacle of the rocket, you see your brother Blake strapped to the right. He's he's just tied up in this chair. Your mother's corpse is on like this throne and the orb goes to right above her head and Pawpaw's in the corner and he he's dressed up a little differently. Like he looks like he's he looks more insane. ornamental. <gasps> That's a nice way to put it. He looks a little crazy. He has like bracelets and anklets and I don't know, like almost like this Greek god type thing. And this is the crazy thing because Papa is the one who kidnapped Blake. Who kidnapped her yeah. brother. Well, do you think he got the Garrets to do it or do you think he did it himself? He did it do himself. We... Did he? Yeah. I, I yeah. believe he did it, did it himself because the Garrets knew not, probably didn't know nothing about Blake or anything and stuff. Yeah, I kind of assume that too. I, I don't know that the Garrett's could be trusted to keep that secret. 
that's a good point. They're they're amateurs. Yeah. <laughs> they, right. They're little kids. Um, and, and 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 the thing about it is, the way that Blake is talked about and his problems and stuff, he would have been the he would have been a Garrett the time that Catherine was alive. He would have been in that mall because mm-hmm. why Catherine is yes. why Catherine yeah. is doing her her detective stuff. She never mentions. I don't know if she mentions Blake at all throughout her whole adventure because we don't see Blake during her time when she's with Dallas at all. She talks about Blake. She tells Dallas that she got two kids, but she but Blake is nowhere around, and I. And so it's kind of weird to like you would think that with the way that the Garrus and uh the Garrus were and how they are recruited, you would think something as simple because Blake is kind of a simple person, and you would think that Blake would be someone that gets recruited from there. And about this whole mm-hmm. game, nothing until Kate comes back and. I think I, th- I feel like once after Catherine died, I feel like once uh, he started getting into trouble, I think somehow Papa um, ended up kidnapping him. Where he held them at that part, I don't mm. know. But when it got to the last part, I think he took. Uh, I think somehow he was able to get into the rocket or sneak into the rocket and leave him there because why the Garrets don't know that Papa. And Blake is in the rocket. I think you can talk to some of them and ask about him. And I think they're like, oh, yeah, he's with Paw Paw, I think. Okay. Am I? I don't remember. I, Do you know? I, I was thinking there was one reference at some point that implied that, that Blake might be with Paw Paw. But I think that was near the end, if I remember. Yes. And this is this was um, during Catherine's part when you're trying to find the last virtual but she and Dallas do have a, a very sweet moment at the top of the uh, city hall. And you can actually see the Superdome yeah. in the back. Um, it's really funny. They, they make a joke, which I've thought about before. They're like, what's it called now? Because it used to be the Louisiana Superdome. Then it's the, it was the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Now it's the Caesars Superdome. Like these different companies keep buying it. And I thought that was a really funny joke because I'm like, okay, now who, who owns it now? Which, which, which corporation bought the Superdome? Which is where um, the Saints, New Orleans Saints play and they have other events. But yeah. But, but yeah, so Papa says, take your seat into the throne. And um, the first time I played through and you can also uh, pick up at different save points in the game if you want to try to get different endings or go back to different parts um i got the quote-unquote uh, bad ending it's called congrats with an, an unhappy emoticon and uh you papa your mother your mother's corpse and blake blast off i'm assuming it's blasting off i was just i was really upset with myself because i was like i don't think i did it i don't think i did this correctly i don't think i accomplished the mission oh because papa again, believes that your mother and thus you and your brother are direct descendants of Jesus Christ. And he wants to join all of you at this like Christian planet in the stars or something. Mm -hmm. So that was the ending I got where it's assumed that, um, well, Catherine's already dead, but the other three die as well. Yeah. That's the same one. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody ends up dying. Now I did go back when I, I found out what to do because even though you missed the recording from Bruce, if you give him that monkey, 
there is a chance to get a good ending. Um, did y'all do that? No, I didn't. Okay, I did it. And, and did you do it, Ed? I did not do it, but I seen it. Okay. Uh, so, uh, should we reveal it or not? Um, I mean, if you've gotten this far, you, you've hopefully played the game. <laughs> so <laughs> Don't listen. In, Stop listening. <laughs> so By the way, LeBlanc is dead. LeBlanc is dead at this point. Yeah, so LeBlanc, LeBlanc dies. Um, your brother is rescued. You somehow get your mom. She's in your hand. And you guys run to the this area. Uh, your Blake jumps over. You throw your mom into the water. And then you, it's so funny, the animation, the way that she just <laughs> lobs her into the water. It's so funny. You have to, you have to, it's, it's, it's amazing. A, it's a nice light moment during the weirdness. <laughs> right. And then you jump over. Um, and then the rocket ship goes up with uh, Papa, but in the end, because you end up also destroying um, the the orb, the the light sphere. Um, you you three end up dr- uh, jumping over, and the rocket ship goes up and explodes, like it kills them and stuff, um, or it kills Papa. Um, and so you and Blake are swimming and then it's just like your mom is saying something and everything. Uh, and then I think you get rid of your mom and she drowns or something. Uh, and then Blake and you kind of like, or Blake comes to you and stuff. And then like the game kind of ends after that. Now you, you can do that. Or I was reading that like you can take, you can save just yourself or yeah. you can save just Blake or just your mom's corpse or something. So maybe there are more than three endings. Um, yeah. The, the ending that I saw was that you saved the mom and Blake and you all three jumped over. Yeah. And it's, it's, if you do that ending, um, Blake goes to Salt Lake city and starts anew. And it sounds like Catherine continues. I mean, Catherine K continues her wandering ways. And I'm assuming you put your mother's body back in the, the mausoleum. <laughs> so. it's, but, just, it, it's just so funny that the way that she threw her, I'm like, this is into the top into like, to drink. <laughs> yeah. But that that's Norco, but I feel like there's so much more. Like we could probably talk for five hours about this game. <laughs> um, we, yeah. we actually went over time so late. Thank you. I know you're an hour ahead. Thank you for taking time to talk with us about this. Um, I know you have some more thoughts and I'd love to hear them. Uh, there, there's so much. I mean, really, um, so much. So many of the notes that I took were from the first act or maybe the first, first half of the second act mm-hmm. and were so much of it was focused on the, the 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 poverty of the area and the the whole you know company town stuff and there was just so much there that again it just it just really struck home um and it just reminded me so much of of like i said the areas that i'm where i grew up and it made me realize that a lot, i think a lot of that's kind of more universal than i think i realized you know even though like i said it's a very different uh, region very different to some extent kind of a different language very different industry still there the people who are living in those company towns um are very much uh, experiencing some very similar things um one thing in particular that i just remembered i wanted to mention 
the the first time you go into the backyard and you see the refinery in the background and the towers that combined with earlier there's a in case to where there's a a, a decision or, or you have to answer about um how she feels about not being around the, the sounds of the refinery and it really just kind of struck me that the people who live there they can't escape it it's it's a 24/7 presence in their life the sounds the smells and even if they go to their backyard it dominates the skyline and and dominates their view and it's just that just really made me think how that would feel to be you know to to grow up somewhere like that where you just you can't escape it it is just part of your everyday life and it just kind of dominates everything that you experience. Um, and I think there are a lot of people who probably deal with things like that. And it's, it's not really maybe appreciated uh, for, for, you know, those of us who are lucky enough to not uh, live in those situations. So I think the game does a really, really good job of kind of giving a voice to people who, who live that experience. And I think for that reason alone, it's, it's, it's well worth playing. Um, there are also lots of other reasons. I thought it was great. And, and this is the funny thing. This is part one of your trilogy. Yes, and, thank you, Ed, for bringing that up. And so I, 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 I agree with you also, Late. Um, I, I, the writing is strong in this game. The story, the story as crazy as it gets and stuff, is really good. Like this can be a movie and. Even though it, like it takes place in 2017 and 2019 or 18, it really feels. I mean, it it really feels like if someone was to go in and make a production of this, a lot of people would go and see it because you don't get storytelling like this. You don't get this. This it's not such a thriller, but it's such a good detective mystery that you really want to know what what really is going on you know Kay comes back home and she does she didn't mean to walk into anything like this but it just happens to unfold so i i really believe that this is a gang that i am going to definitely like you like recommend that people really play and i I kind of like, and I mentioned Switch, hopefully it comes. I want a physical of this. I want a physical copy of this game. Because I do, and I, I, I love the artwork, like the title art to this. But I I kind of want to own this game. I think this may, now this is kind of challenging in everybody. Um, I think it equals or it may be a little bit better than coffee talk because coffee talk is amazing and i can't wait for mm-hmm. coffee talk too but i think this is this may be one of the best talk the walk games that i've ever played for ed to say this this is huge this is huge you know and <laughs> and i and trust me i enjoy a lot of the talk the walk games that we have played but i think because this the narrative and plus I love mysteries and stuff. I think because everything which is so well done in this presentation, like 
this literally could be I'm I may have to nominate this as one of my personal game of the years, even though it's not on a Nintendo console. This game is that good. And it's funny at and, and it's funny at times. <laughs> it it does. Like it, it sounds like a very heavy and bizarre game, but it has some very funny light moments. I mean, like he mm-hmm. said, with the team rocketing in that limousine. You... Oh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. Um I know we talked about gothic literature, but what you both were saying, there was another website I found that goes into it a little bit more from Reedsy, R-E-E-D-S-Y.com. This stuck out to me related to Norco. Gothic literature got its start in 18th century England as a means for authors to express the problems they saw in society. By the same token, Southern Gothic literature aims to expose the underbelly of the idyllic cracks in the foundation of a decaying grand mansion, seething intentions behind pleasantries, unsavory thoughts of the supposedly pure. Um, If you've ever watched the play version or the movie version, or even read a streetcar named desire, that is an excellent example of all of these elements of Gothic literature. And if you've ever read the book or seen the movie of midnight in the garden of good and evil that takes place in Georgia, that is I think Savannah, Georgia, that is another great example. I'm going to look for that. Yes, you have to. You have to. I'm going to look for it, buy it, and watch it. I think that's, yeah. It's yeah. it's wild. Midnight in the Garden. I have a copy of the book, and it's um it has funny characters, but there's mystery and murder and stuff. It's, it, it's oh. based on a true story, but it's really good. Um, For... I think I would have wanted to bring this up about the whole pawpaw thing. So I, when I was looking through the resources on the Norco page, I, I put this book on my wish list. There's a book called Templars and Acadiana, and they use this to research and come up with pawpaw's whole uh, lineage of Christ scenario. Apparently there was a belief that, Christ's bloodline may have made its way to Louisiana via the Acadians. Now, if you're not familiar, a lot of people in this area are descendants of those kicked out of Nova Scotia, the Acadians, like in 17, I don't remember the the years. (laughs) It was Mm -hmm. called um, the Grand Arrangement. The British kicked out the Acadians and a lot of them came down here and settled where I live and also to the west of me, a lot of different areas. But Apparently, this theory helped to inspire the game's bloodline narrative. That makes so much more sense now because I was like, where did they get this idea for, for, you know, Pawpaw got this idea. So I'm going to have to read Templars and Acadiana by Wilbur Stiles and do some research on that. But um, I I have some other thoughts, but if anybody else wants to go first, please, by by all means. (laughs) I'm I'm good. I I said what I needed to say. Play this game, everybody. (laughs) Late, is there anything um, you want to add before I, I go off on some tangents? <laughs> so I, I think um, I think I'm just going to kind of jump on what Ed was saying a minute ago about the storytelling and just to say narrative games are that's, that's kind of my focus. I mean, I play a lot of other games, but that's what I really love. And I play a lot of good ones and I'm, I'm not going to I'm not even going to try to rank this one among all of the great ones that I've played, but I will say that the the storytelling in this one is something special. 
I think it really is uh, something that everyone should experience. It's, it's beautiful. Um, you had mentioned the fence line communities, I believe late. Yes, there was the, um, a book at the beginning, the fence line diaspora, I believe. And there was a, an excerpt from it that I thought was particularly interesting. Um, I'm trying to find it in my notes, but basically it talked about how effectively as bad as things were, um, whoever was being quoted in this book, um, what actually caused them to want to leave wasn't the bad things that were happening, but it was when um, the media and kind of activists started coming in and really started drawing attention to it and started you know, referring to them as victims. Um, and that that's another thing that I, I don't think people understand. I, you've talked before, Celeste, about how you get questions about why people stay after hurricanes, mm-hmm. um, you know, why people don't just move. I think it's very similar. I think it's easy from the outside to look at people who live in these areas and wonder why they aren't just leaving to, um, to go somewhere better. But I think that it's, it's such a complicated, such a complicated issue. And I think that a lot of times what happens with people who have lived in, in these areas and, and I'm speaking, I guess, primarily my experience from the, coal mining regions of Kentucky. But when you've lived here your entire life and your family's lived here their entire lives, whatever the negative things are that you're dealing with, those are normal to you. That's just your day-to-day world. And when you have someone from the outside coming in, even when it's well-meaning, I think that it's easy to view them as outsiders and kind of attackers. And I think people end up defending the industries and the 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 things that are actually maybe the root cause of their problems they end up defending them because that's what they know and they don't want you know someone from the outside trying to tell them what they need to do um and the the thing that jumped out at me um what was that i thought of that really kind of drives that home is in Kentucky, in spite of all the problems the coal industry has caused, there's an organization called the Friends of Coal that was created to, it's a nonprofit, but it basically was just almost a marketing campaign for pro, you know, for, for pro coal industry. And you can now purchase a special license plate from the state of Kentucky with Friends of Coal printed on it. And part of that, uh, part of the, the fee that you pay for that goes to the Friends of Coal Association, whose basically mission is to just further the positive image of, of coal in the area. And just, you know, the fact that people who are negatively affected by these things are are so willing to support them um, in spite of any problems that they may cause, I think is um, kind of speaks to the complexity of these situations. That's beautifully stated. And as you're talking about it, I'm thinking about the oil and gas industry down here. I I wrote it down. I have a love-hate relationship with it because it's a necessary 
quote unquote evil because look at how much we depend on this industry. I mean, like it or not, if you drive a car, if you use styrofoam, if you use electronics, if you use so many, so many things, our world is shaped by it. If you fly on a plane, you're using what that industry produces. And so many people around here rely on that industry. When it's bad, like I'm sure you've heard like the oil like, you know, they go down, it has its waves, it ebbs and flows. When it's bad, it affects all the industries around here because if people Mm -hmm. are laid off, they're not spending money at the barbershops. They're not spending as much at the restaurants. But if, when it's really good, there are people who are millionaires around here who have beautiful homes, beautiful, and can support their families. And I really hope Louisiana does diversify and I think it's trying, but there are some people who who are resistant to it how even though it has hurt the environment and I'm there are people much smarter than I am who can speak on this. Um, there are people who are saying that in addition to climate change, um, oil and gas drilling and its presence in Southern Louisiana has also caused our erosion problems. And again, I'm not an expert on it. I'd rather someone much more educated speak on that, but our coast is disappearing and Again, there there are people. I live like two hours away from the coast. I'm I'm pretty okay, but there are people who have made a living shrimping, crabbing, fishing, whatever. A lot of Native American communities they refuse to leave the coast. The local governments are saying, "Hey, we're going to pay for some housing for you. Come come up, come more inland." A lot of them are refusing. They're like, "This is my way of life. I've lived here forever," and. I heard some nasty thing after every storm. It's like, why do people live where there are hurricanes? And my question to them is, well, why do people live where there are tornadoes and blizzards and earthquakes and crime and poverty and fires and pick your natural disaster? Why do people live there? And this game, um, I think it's the same book late. I'm not sure, but it's, it's talking about like disaster porn enthusiast in her, like a book in her room. It might be the same one you're talking about. Um, they talk about how after hurricanes, all these people come in and like they take pictures and you kind of feel like a circus a little bit. Like you feel like you're this sideshow. And, um, last year my area was affected a lot by hurricane Ida. And like a day after, after the storm, it's all sunny outside. You see helicopters flying over. Um, the national guard is out. They're surveying the area. You're on the news. People are coming in. And on one hand, you want that support because it brings, notice it brings help it brings aid it shows how severe the problems are but on the other hand you have people making those negative comments and then you kind of feel like a caged animal like oh look look at these poor people look at their houses look they're without electricity for three weeks and i have mixed emotions about it um i'm not sure if that's making any sense and and yeah like uh, we've done it before like after the storm when power is restored we did go drive by the heavier hit areas just out of morbid curiosity like how bad some of these places get hit because that's human nature. But I don't know. It's kind of like, have you heard that term? Like I can say whatever I want about my brother because he's my brother. But the second someone else starts saying something about it, I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess like, that. I, I guess that's kind of the mentality people have. Like it's, <laughs> there's a joke on one of the New Orleans Instagram accounts I follow that says, it's a dirt pile, but it's our dirt pile <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, not, not to disparage New Orleans because it's a beautiful city with so much history. But um, I really appreciate you coming on late to gaming and sharing those sentiments because I guess at the end of the day, I say this so many times, let's just be kind to one another. And we're all on this spinning rock, this planet together. And today you 
tomorrow me. You don't know what can happen. There's so much outside of our control, whether it be with large corporations, with illnesses, with natural disasters, with deaths. I, I This game, it reminds me to be humble and just to be mm-hmm. kind to my fellow man because, God, I could go on. <laughs> but um, the orb, I was curious. Um, I don't know what it means, but I was wondering if it if it represents a, a feu follet, which is a ball of flickering light in the bayou. That's a French term. Um, it means like little fairies, fairy lights in the swamps. Um, and the the eagle or super duck in the swamps, when you release it and it spits out the orb, it kind of reminds me of the pictures of animals in oil spills, like after um, – like what was it, Enron and all these different ones that have happened and you see these animals covered in the waste. I kind of thought of that. I'm not sure if that's what they were going for, but it reminded me of those animals that are hurt and affected by those things. Um, I don't know. I just, this, this game, it's, it's short. It it can be even shorter if you don't do what we do and explore for things as much, but Mm -hmm. The writing, and I, I cannot wait to see the other two games. I, I don't even, I don't even know what else I can say about Norco except please play it. Late, do you have anything else to say, or uh, I don't know. It's... No, not really. I mean, you, you pretty well summed it up. Um, I, I guess the one thing I'll add, I, I am really curious of what what's in store for the developer. I don't know what their plan is really but i think that i think the writing alone justifies um someone green lighting more projects for this developer I, I really hope that this is just the the start of something something you know much bigger for them god yeah. i hope so ed thank you for letting me host and thank you for letting me talk about a game um based in a place that i have passed through many 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 times <laughs> oh, anytime uh, well, everybody, that's going to be it for Talk the Rock. Lake, you want to go ahead and plug? Where can people find you? Sure. So you can find me on social media and Twitter, YouTube, occasionally on Twitch, um, all at Late to Gaming. And uh, I do have a blog that I update maybe weekly. Um, it's latetogaming.blogspot.com. So you can check me out there as well. I'm around on various Discord servers and. Uh, I'm not that hard to find if you look for me. <laughs> uh, Celeste, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Fairy Crypt, and I'm also a part of another Zelda podcast if you like the Legend of Zelda series. Yes, and you guys can find me on Twitter at that Code. You can also check more of Talk the Walk at Boss Rush. <clears throat> Sorry about that. At Boss Rush Media on our YouTube page and at Boss Rush Network, where we talk about games, uh, food, and other things <laughs> about gaming or entertainment, I should say. Um, our next game is going to be uh, Detroit Become Human. Um, that's going to be our January discussion. So you guys do have time to play it. It's on PlayStation 4. I believe you can play it backwards compatibility on PlayStation 5. And it is on PC also. Um, this game is by Quantic Dream. So we cannot wait to have this discussion. With that, everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend. And have a great walk and talk uh, when you play or if you decide to play normal. 
With that, everybody, we'll see you next time on Talk to Walk. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.